0: Assalamu alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everybody. Welcome to episode I think six we're on now alhamdulillah and today we are joined by the, the usual brother Muslim metaphysician here we have brother Sharif here and brother Abdul Rahman there on oh, no, the way I got all the pointing right first time. as like alaykum everybody. Wa-alikumsalam. Wa-alikumsalam.
1: Wa-alikumsalam.
0: Do apologize slightly for the delay uh, so we've uh, sort of had a bit of a hiccup at the beginning trying to get the admins on. Uh, they were logged on on the wrong account. And uh, so, yeah, forgive us for that. But so today we're going to be focusing on the the stage two elements of the, the Kalam argument. So for those of you who don't know, we're going to basically give a quick recap of stage one. Um, so these are arguments in favor of a necessary being. And there's many of them. Uh, we're not going to go over all of them because there's too many. But uh, we'll focus on a couple. And from there, you basically get this idea of a necessary being of a a particular kind of being, which is unique, Um, but you don't necessarily from these arguments get this idea of a God. And so stage two is to make the inference from the necessary being to a being that would be commonly understood as a a God uh, in the Abrahamic sense for one. And uh, so, yeah, and we're going to kind of go over that. So does it, any brothers want to kind of um step in maybe with a little bit of a an intro um any like adding on to what I've just said or do you, what do you think is uh, probably the best way to sort of segue into this
2: Yeah um, I think we should um you know reiterate how we got to this point from stage 1 um so I'll I'll give my take on it so yeah, we'll we had a we had a previous stream where we tried to argue uh, for a necessary being. Um, so if you guys aren't familiar with that, you know, you should go back and watch that. But we got from, we were trying to argue that a necessary being exists from the contingency of the world uh, by the fact that we have all these contingent, uh, contingent things in reality, there must be a sort of necessary foundation to explain all these contingent uh, entities. And so we, We tried to arrive at that conclusion, but then the question that we're dealing with today as far as stage two argument is, what are the properties, uh, can we derive any properties from this necessary being? Uh, What are the sort of properties that it has? What are the sort of properties that it wouldn't have? And um, by analyzing the properties of this necessary being, this is sort of what's called stage two cosmological arguments where we can try to say a little bit more about this necessary being or cause and see whether or not it matches up with, um, you know, typically the attributes of God or what we would conceive of as God. Or is it more something that's? Um, and I know Abdul doesn't necessarily like this word natural, but is it something that is purely natural and can be explained by natural means Or is this something more akin to what theists mean by God, which is what we think and what we're going to be arguing for uh, today? So I don't know if the brothers have anything else they want to add uh, as far as how we're getting to the point we are at now.
3: Yeah, I was going to just quickly add. So uh, previously, what we talked about is that contingent beings are things that exist, but could exist in another way, or they don't have to exist. Yeah, so... When you come across something that's contingent, in essence, what we're saying is, is that that thing requires an explanation as to why it is that particular way and why it exists. So I think I gave the example last time of a red triangle. So if you've got a red triangle, by the fact that it has three sides is necessary for the for a triangle because triangles have three sides. But the fact that it's red as opposed to blue or green or yellow or any other color means that this is a contingent or possible thing or possible being. So we need an explanation, why is it red? Because the redness of a triangle is not contained in its own definition of being a triangle. Yeah, so therefore that's why we call it contingent and that's why we look for an explanation and the explanation is outside of the existence of a triangle. So we look at other possible explanations as to why this triangle is red as opposed to another color. Now the next question then becomes, well, okay, the other things that we look at are they either contingent beings, meaning that they require an explanation outside of itself, or is it uh, ends with a necessary being, something that is uh, that has its own explanation contained in and of itself? Yeah, it uh, has a seity, has independency, has self-sufficiency. So the argument goes is that a contingent being dependent upon another contingent being cannot go on forever. In an, uh, in an infinite regress of causal relationships or causal explanations. So there needs to be a necessary being, some starting point, uh, something that's independent, that doesn't need an explanation outside of itself, and therefore this is what we call a necessary being. So that's the basic argument, uh, how we came to the conclusion of a necessary being. It's because of how we understand what contingency is, it's because of the impossibility of a necessary being, uh, necessary, uh, of an uh, infinite regress, to explain uh, the existence of necessary uh, contingent beings and therefore the need for a necessary eternal independent being. Now, many atheists uh, or a number of atheists will accept that position. Yeah, They don't find it too problematic because they're, they're arguing that this it could be a naturalistic um you know uh, eternal thing yeah it doesn't have to have a will it doesn't have to have a mind doesn't have to have consciousness doesn't have to be all knowing what we would typically understand as a theistic uh, view of god so we want to go as uh, the brothers already mentioned how do we go from that discussion to a necessary being that has a intentionality as a will has a mind to create and it's not just something that's forced or is a mechanical force within the universe that creates automatically without any choice.
0: Mashallah. And Brother Abdul rahman do you want to say anything before I chime in?
1: Yeah. Um I, I want I wanted to first um I mean I take a few steps You're back muted. and talk about uh, Abdul. No he's not Am I? No? No that's him. no.
2: No yeah. we can hear him. Might be on okay. your end. Oh network. it's yeah.
1: my mic. Sorry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, that's fine. So so I just wanted to talk about a few points like in in the beginning about um a lot of Muslims have these concerns about like these arguments and the complexity of the argument, you know, and and uh, why we need to engage in these arguments in order to prove the existence of God because a lot a lot of this talk seems like it's just way beyond the average person to understand uh, unless they they study it in depth, stuff like the metaphysics of causation and you know uh, principle, of sufficient reasons, and 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 the back and forth between the philosophers about these stuff. So um, I, I think it's important at the outset to point out uh, that you know a lot of these concepts that we discuss are are actually intuitively accessible. There, you you don't need to. Ha- formally express these ideas about causality and these uh, concerns, these cosmological concerns we talk about with regard to the origins of the universe, they don't have to be formally accessible for them to be intuitively accessible. And, and uh, I've noticed from my uh, reading on this that that once you really get into the depth of these discussions and when you, when you reach a conclusion that's more towards the theistic side and you have a very strong philosophical rational basis for it, that really just does comport with that very basic intuition we have about how causality works, uh, agent causation, intentionality and all of that stuff. So because uh, I think a lot of people do have that concern that a lot of these arguments are way, you know, just over my head, uh, and is it necessary to believe in God? That's one aspect. So the second part I want to say with regard to the same concern is this epistemic uh, uh, concern that we have, that uh, let's say, for example, science when you talk about, because Kalam cosmological argument, for example, relates to a lot of scientific theories about time and and the origin of the universe. Uh, Is there a state that science can take us to where these philosophical and existential questions will be less relevant? Can we reach a point of observation where these intuitions and these, uh, you know, lines of reasoning about causality and the origin of the universe will be any different? And I think that the answer to that is, is, is a straight no, because we are limited by observation and we do presuppose stuff before we do these observations, we presuppose certain aspects of these cosmological arguments before we make these observations, things like causality. Uh, It can be argued, and some philosophers do argue that causality is something that's more a priori. You don't go out there and, you know, investigate and do empirical research and then, ah. causality exists it's something that's presupposed in order for you not just to be able to investigate the external world but in order for you to be able to think in a cogent way in the first place there must be some causal series that's presupposed so so and then there's cause uh, properly basic beliefs that, that that Plantinga spoke about and and uh, Brother Jamie Turner is very good with that. So this is just the general intro I want to give about people who are very concerned with a lot of the complexities and nuances and, and the philosophical depth that these arguments can go to. Um, I, I, I think uh, you guys touched on how we briefly went through the sta- stage one cosmological arguments. There are objections to it. We have, uh, 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 we have causal arguments, which is Kalam cosmological argument that relies on the finitude of causal chains. There's the contingency argument that doesn't rely on that. You can have an infinite series of past events and you can argue for uh, a strong or weak principle, of sufficient reason and come to the existence of a necessary being. Alexander Proust does this very well. And then the stage two cosmological arguments is where you talk about the nature of this being and uh, you can approach that from many routes. One of the best ways that I like is, when, is is when you bring the discussion back to the philosophy of mind and the role of will and agent causation. And you talk about these many different theories of causation and the metaphysics, metaphysicality. you can come to the conclusion that a, uh, a, a non-temporal, eternal, a uh, uh, um, necessary foundation of reality bringing about a temporal cause is best explained by an act of will. There are te- teleological concerns, fine tuning, and our are, uh, are design arguments where you can make a, a cumulative case and say that there is some form of intelligence. And there are other aspects that I think we'll go through um, throughout this stream, inshallah.
0: Inshallah, mashallah, JazakAllah for your contributions. So, I just want to touch on a couple of things you mentioned there. So, firstly, um, this idea that everything needs to be rationally explained or understood in order to be accepted so th- there's a really good example of this with the problems of the external world many people don't have to go through this process of going through the philosophy of justifying the existence of the external world we we deal with it it's there we have this um the present and immediate experience of it and we can engage with it and i i think Many people would agree, and maybe the odd one out um, may not, but many people would agree that you don't need a philosophical, rational justification in order to come to the conclusion that there is an external world. There are these intuitions that you have um, based like in experience itself. And this is enough for people to just accept it. And so we, that kind of goes into this idea of basic beliefs, um, which is a conversation obviously we can have with that. But that doesn't mean simply because that is the case that there isn't philosophical argument for it. And if you do want to engage in this philosophical argument, you you need to exercise patience, put in the effort and go through the work. Now, there are a lot of abstract concepts in the process of going through all of this. And you know th- this can be difficult for the average person or the layman to, to grapple with in the beginning. And we all go through this process when we first start engaging with this type of philosophy. It does get abstract. It doesn't mean that it's, um, illogical or that there isn't a discussion to be had you know this discussion is being had especially in academia and the even people on opposing sides seem to be able to have a cogent conversation with one another they have disagreements and things like that but for the most part uh, you know that there, there is a conversation it's not just people talking over one another and um, it goes into that so that's um touching on that now uh, someone mentioned i think it was Justin, about the idea of well, why can't it be the infinite regress and, and abdul rahman also kind of touched on this as well. but uh, So the arguments uh, from things like dependency um, deal with the, the idea of set off dependent things. That set can be any number. So it could be a finite number. It could be a, a never ending regress of uh, dependent things if you want it to be. But it's the, the whole point of it is that whatever this set is, you say there is a set of dependent things and the whole is itself dependent and therefore relies on something that isn't in the set and so therefore can't be dependent. And if it was dependent, it'd be in the set. So whatever this set is, it has to rely on something outside of it, which has a unique kind of existence, that which is off independent. And um, so, you know, with this, the ideas of infinite regress are sort of overcome. You don't even have to discuss them because they can just be contained within the idea of a set. Like whatever number you want to apply to that um, is fine. It doesn't affect the argument in any way. Um, So that's another thing that, Obviously, it's important to go on very briefly over that. Um, And I think we're probably at a good point now where we can start moving on to discussing the Stage 2, unless there's anything else any of you wanted to add on before we did that.
2: Yeah, just before we go to the Stage 2, I know we put it on the bottom of the screen, but I just want to make a a formal announcement. We we are on um, several different uh, locations now other than YouTube. Um, So what... Do you guys remember what all of them are? Because I can't remember. It's all, pretty much my... all the
0: major street, um, podcast platforms. So you probably find us on places like Apple, um, yeah. Spotify, Google Podcasts, I think is another yeah. one. Um, I think we'll get one of the admins to put them up in a comment on the screen while we're discussing things. But, you know, just if you're using any particular um, streaming or podcast service, just search us on there. Uh, and if you're already using that, inshallah, we should be on there. If it is, if we aren't on a particular service that you use, just drop us a comment in this video.
2: Yeah. Let us
0: know what it is. And we'll see if we can also um, make it so that we can add our services on there as well. Um, but you should find us anywhere. So if, you, if you're the kind of person that likes listening to podcasts while you're driving and things like that, um, and you're not really using YouTube when you're out and about, and inshallah, this should be um, available to you. Mm-hmm. And like I say, if it isn't, then let us know um and other than that make sure to follow us on all the um major social media platforms so we're on twitter uh with this tag uh at t a t underscore a underscore podcast uh so do give us a follow on there if you haven't already we're also on facebook if you just search thought adventure podcast we should come up and the same for instagram as well um and other than that i think we've pretty much covered all of the the social media aspects for the Thought Adventure Podcast. Um, yep. So, anything else, or should we move on to the?
2: No, that's it. I just wanted to reiterate that we are available now on um, Spotify and Apple, which I guess are the other big, um, big apps and sites to find us at. So, if you guys aren't, you know, on YouTube as much, you can definitely check us out there. Inshallah. So, yep.
0: moving on now to the stage two arguments who would like to begin there with uh, the kind of transition to that any brothers want to jump in
3: so if you i just maybe introduce it i think there's four key uh, number of different arguments but i sort of use four key general arguments the first argument uh, and i just want to briefly go over it and maybe the brothers can add more detail but the first one is if we accept that contingent things require a necessary being, then we're also accepting that contingent beings ultimately have a beginning in time, beginning in creation. Yeah, So they, they didn't exist eternally. There was a beginning. But you'd have an eternal necessary being, but it, uh, which is the cause. So you have an eternal cause. But the effect, which is the creation or the cause of contingent beings, are temporal. So, if the eternal cause did not choose to create, then the eternal cause would always create, which means that the effect would always be eternal. The fact that the effect is not eternal, but the cause is eternal, indicates a will, a decision to make the choice to want to, uh, you know, effect, yeah, or cause the contingent beings to exist. That's first argument. Second argument is that contingent beings are those things which could have multiple different attributes the fact that water could boil at 110 or 120 or 90 degrees celsius are all possibilities for the water at room conditions assuming we're on earth and we're you know one atmosphere etc it could have a number of different attributes there's nothing necessary in what water is and contingent beings are to explain why it has those particular attributes. Yeah, Even if you wanna talk about hydrogen bonding, you can talk about why do you have hydrogen bonding and keep regressing back, you'll find that there's a necessary foundation that has to actualize all of these potential uh, attributes. The fact that you've got a number of different choices and the necessary being chooses or has to determine one choice over another indicates another, uh, or is another indication for will. The third argument would be an argument from consciousness because uh, in the last episode that we had, we demonstrated that consciousness itself cannot arise from non-consciousness. There needs to be something that always exists as conscious in order to bring consciousness in contingent beings. In essence, that's the conclusion. If you can't ground consciousness on materialism, then you need something that's conscious in essence. Consciousness needs to be caused by something. This indicates that if there is a necessary being, that necessary foundation must also be conscious. And the fourth one, uh, like I'm really going over these really quickly, the fourth one would be an argument of uh, arbitrary limits, uh, which I think uh, uh, other brothers will explain further, but simply saying that a necessary being, which is unlimited, independent, eternal, has a particular limit that it doesn't necessarily not have to have, meaning if you've got something that has a limit, but it's the reason why it has that particular limitation is not something that's explained by its own existence, then you need to explain it by some other recourse to another existence. Because we're talking about an independent eternal necessary being, then this independent eternal necessary being cannot have arbitrary or contingent limits, like not being conscious. Because if it's not conscious, you're going to ask the question, "Or well, why is it not conscious? you know what's caused it not to be not conscious if you know what i mean so if you're talking about an unlimited creator to create an arbitrary limit of not being conscious would require an explanation yeah so that's just really covering it really briefly as possible as an overview
0: mashallah and uh any of the other two brothers want to jump in there
1: yeah um so um so so uh the the argument from free will, I think, when we take the discussion back to uh, to the philosophy of mind and consciousness, I think it's 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 hugely relevant. Uh, if if we've if we've concluded the existence of a first cause or a necessary being that does not depend on anything else, then by logical entailment, this necessary uh, being or this first cause is able to. Uh, to causelessly cause things that means it is able to cause things without an external force acting upon it and uh, and when when we take this back to the philosophy of mind and the metaphysics of causation we speak about agent causation uh, we can we can relate to this idea of causelessly causing when we talk about free will and one way to look at it is is when you sort of uh, try to deconstruct how we really know that other agents that we interact with have free will or more blo- broadly have minds of their own at all and fault in philosophy it's called the problem of other minds because i can interact with jake but and i can see his 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 you know, his motion and, and, you know, the, the physical stimuli that surrounds him, but I don't have any direct access to his mind. And there is nothing, I
2: thought you were going to say my beautiful
1: face, but that's okay. (laughs) Not too. (laughs) Nothing that is directly observable about Jake having a mind, or Jake having a will of his own to initiate action. And there is nothing about the physical features that I see about Jake that tells me that he necessarily has a mind. I could be looking at somebody that is deformed, and I could still think that or infer that they have minds. I'd be looking at uh, a creature that is not human and still from their behavior infer that they have minds. How do we do this? I think part of how we do it and the most essential point is that there is something uh, non-deterministic about the behavior of a creature that has a mind. Meaning that when you have a mind it doesn't seem that you're simply reacting to physical stimuli. It doesn't seem that, you know, the wind is blowing me around like it would blow around a rock for example it doesn't seem that i'm merely reacting to my physical stimuli it seems that i'm behaving in a way that's not directly determined by my physical stimuli now i don't know if justin's watching but uh, uh, you know we don't have to take this to whether we actually have free will or not but we we all all, all we're trying to say is that what it seems to have free will is that we are behaving in a non-deterministic manner that is not entirely determined by our physical stimuli, even if it might be the case <coughs> that this is an illusion. But that's how we infer the existence of a will uh, when it comes to other creatures. Now, when you take this back to to, to the first cause or the necessary being, it's really more uh, uh, um, worth, attributing a, a will or a a, um, a free will or a mind to this necessary cause than it would be to any being at all. Because by definition or by logical entailment, we know that this being must be acting non-deterministically in the sense that it does not rely on external factors to influence it. So even if it's an illusion in our case and we don't have free will, we know for a fact that this necessary being or this first cause is in fact causelessly causing things to occur in a way that is just more uh, uh, free will like than anything else in our experience. So if we're justified in positing a will to anything at all, I would say that it would be it would be most justified to posit a will for this independent, causelessly causing being. Uh, the the there's another aspect uh, uh, about uh, there are ep- epistemic concerns that that uh, Robert Koons raises about what it's like to give an ultimate explanation, or or to to um, you know conceptualize this necessary foundation of reality and how that influences our uh, you know epistemic approach to these things. So when we say that every contingent thing has a cause, that seems to be something that. Whether that's determined by experience or whether that's just an a priori fact that you or principle that you live by, it is quite clear that in our day-to-day lives, as well as in our uh, uh, scientific uh, inspection of the world, we always assume that there is a cause for any contingent fact. And scientists do this all the time. It's not like a scientist will will make some observation with an apparently unexplained a property and say that it just is. No, what they do is they normally start with the assumption that there is an explanation and they keep moving, tracking back until they, they get the most plausible explanation possible. Now, the question is, what is this epistemic limitation of science? At what point will science stop and say, okay, there's no explanation beyond this point because remember we're limited by our observation so there is really nothing you can observe about the world that would uh, justify you in saying that uh, in saying that there is no cause beyond this because from your very starting point you've assumed that everything has a cause in the first place and, and even things that don't seem to have causes are assumed to have causes and we go on and investigate them so from there this takes us back to the idea of an infinite regress we already agree or at least the theist agreed with the stage one cosmological argument that there isn't an infinite regress. So there is this stopping point. There is going to be an explanatory stopping point on any worldview, whether you're an atheist or a theist. Now, the question is, what is it that differentiates this necessary being from these contingent facts? If the necessary being was uh, or the necessary thing, because some people think that by being we mean something conscious, but in philosophy it just means an existent, right? So, this necessary being, if it is merely a contingent natural fact, right, or that you're just gonna slap the label natural on it. So, if you say it's some kind of quantum foam or whatever, and that it is necessary. The problem with that is that there is nothing that ontologically distinguishes this necessary fact or this necessary entity with everything else that's contingent, which you assume has a cause. So it seems like it would be a case of special pleading to say that there is this other necessary thing. There's nothing that I can I can distinguish it. There's nothing that I can say distinguishes it from the natural world in a, in a true ontological sense but uh, it 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 doesn't have a cause that seems like special pleading and i think uh, uh, um uh Graham Oppy does this when he says that the initial item is just a natural fact that doesn't have a cause, and it doesn't have a cause simply by virtue of its necessity. And I think Robert Kuhn raises a very interesting concern with him when he says that, well, if that's the case and any contingent fact can be the necessary stopping point we're looking for, then why don't you just stop at your experience? Because you can't prove that you existed five minutes ago. You can't prove your memory. You can't, you just you just have a current state of mind that you really have no means to investigate whether how you arrived at this state of mind so so robert coons raises the question and it might seem like a trivial one because we know that we our memories let's say we know that they're real but given this epi- epistemic approach to you know the the philosophy and metaphysics of modality if you're going to say that something apparently contingent or natural can be necessary then what's stopping you from saying that you're very own experience, your first person subjective experience is this necessary stopping point and you're the necessary being. Now, of course, it seems silly, but then the silliness of a question is just a consequence of the silliness of the epistemology where you special plead and say that something contingent can be necessary. And and from that we go back to what Brother Sharif was saying about arbitrariness. So there is something about ultimate explanations that both philosophers and scientists Acknowledge that you know you just don't want it to be arbitrary. An ultimate explanation doesn't seem like it's the kind of thing that can be arbitrary. Like, like if, if I tell you that the, the the necessary foundation of reality is the number four, for example, or even if it's something with you know a a, a certain power that's limited at the level four. Well, that very property is seems to be a contingent fact that. A scientist or a philosopher would like an explanation for because it's a certain property. Property, it's a certain limitation that calls for an explanation. That's what a contingent fact is. So this non-arbitrariness that we're looking for is something that that can serve as a very good candidate for this necessary being. And and uh, Rasmussen sp- speaks about this supreme nature of this non-arbitrary necessary being, and he says that while well, we have causal powers that uh, that that that. Um, are you know a result of our intentionality and our will is this necessary foundation that has actually that actually has person-making properties are we going to limit it from that kind of causal power if we're gonna assume of course that this agent causation is a thing which obviously would have to be argued for but at least from our first person perspective agent causation is a is a thing and free will does seem to be a thing so why are you place why would you place this arbitrary limitation on this you know necessary foundation when you don't really need to and in fact actually philosophers these days i'm going i know i'm going on a bit i'm going to stop right now but atheist philosophers these days they don't mind positing things like panpsychism by saying you know what to solve this hard problem of consciousness let's say that everything has some you know fundamental level of proto-consciousness they don't mind doing that and and they don't mind also saying that there's a necessary natural thing but what you're doing here is you're basically positing that if there is a cause for the universe, it has some type of consciousness. So you're getting awfully close to 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 the idea of God and you're kind of Uh, blurring lines between theism and atheism. So if you don't mind, you know, making these kinds of maneuvers in order to get out of problems like the hard problem of consciousness, then I think it's very reasonable for us to say that there is is very good rational basis for positing the idea that the first cause has free will, and it has this agent causal power we're talking about. There are other teleological aspects, but I think we can leave that for later.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I just want to touch on the the causality thing that you were mentioning. So there there are arguments for a priori, um, understanding of causality that we, we just know prior to experience that causality is, is an existent thing. Um, but I would also argue, Xavier, if, if you're, we're discussing this with an atheist and they're for the sake of being able to deny a particular premise out of the Kalam, they're denying, um, the, you know, that causality is a thing. Now y- you can make an argument, um, a posteriori, and, and you can even make an argument that, um, it, it, causality is is one of the most empirically verified things we've got in terms of like the scientific community. There, there has not been any experience at all since in recorded history of, um, you know, within the, the scientific community itself of something of an effect occurring without a cause. We We've got like countless data that causes are led by effects. And so, if you want to deny this, you're risking putting yourself towards the position of a, a moral nihilist, basically. You're, you're not a moral nihilist, an epistemic nihilist, in the fact that you're saying, "Oh, um, knowledge is going to be something incredibly difficult to gain at all." Um, you know, the scientific community completely presupposes these I- these ideas of cause and effect. Um, you know, and it and it's necessary in order for the scientific community to be able to progress and to continue on the mission that it's on. You know, there's no, what what point is there looking at the world, trying to, um, you know, discover things in it, if you can't even be sure that causes have effects or that effects have causes. It is literally one of the most um, widely documented things that we have within the scientific community. Uh, and if, if you want to go down that route of saying, well, I, I think someone made a comment here, like, you know, how do you, uh, where is it? Somewhere here, there's too many comments, uh, so I won't try to find it. But yeah, so how you know? How do you? What do you do when someone denies cause and effect? So just point to this. Just point to the scientific community. Point to like any everything else. Like if you want to say that um, the, the we, we have ample evidence to suggest that the Earth is round, and I would agree with that. I would say we've got more evidence for cause and effect. I would say we've got more evidence for that than we have the majority, if not all of the, the general claims that the, the scientific community are putting forward. Uh, and so to deny that, it's to completely kick your legs from under your feet. And especially if you're an atheist, rationality rules, we need empirical evidence for things, science is the best thing we've got. Like you're, you're throwing that out of the window if you're gonna start challenging ideas of cause and effect. So that's an incredibly important thing to take note of. Um, and if you want to continue this conversation, as say an atheist, um, who holds the scientific um, method to you know with a, a very high regard? You can't just go ahead and throw causality out of the window because you, you you're pretty much kicking your own butt there by doing so. Um, I mean,
1: even if you say because because uh, I I think it was Russell who said that causality is just this heuristic tool that we use uh, in the world and that it doesn't necessarily have to be descriptive of the world. I mean I mean even if you say that you have some grounds. If you say it's a heuristic tool, then you have some grounds to at least uh, from an epistemic basis, assume that every contingent thing has a cause, even if you're not definitively making the statement that it does. Although I think you need to make that statement because it has to be descriptive. Because if it isn't, then again, the problem of skepticism, a radical, unhealthy kind of skepticism, where well, how do you know anything has a cause? Well, just if it's if 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 you could stop somewhere and say that there is a contingent fact that doesn't have a cause, again, you could just stop at your own experience. Yeah. You could stop at actually Depends any any arbitrary arbitrary uh, line that you can draw in the middle of your investigation of the universe and just say, okay, it all stops here. Why not there? So uh, yeah, so whether it's a heuristic uh, or descriptive, I think it is. Either way, it's important to say that about these questions about the origins of the universe. It, it would be special pleading if you were to say that the universe having a cause or the contingent world or the cosmos having a cause is something we don't know because you don't really know it about anything else uh, if, if, if you're going to go down that route. Yeah, definitely.
0: And brother Jake, uh, we've not heard from you in a little bit. So do you want to jump in there um, yeah. with anything uh, kind of add or cover the the bases that we've not touched on so far? Yeah. I mean,
2: the brothers pretty much covered everything. They they stole my thunder, but I just (laughs) want to reiterate one point. Um, And for me, a key issue is the idea of investigating what the properties of the cause are. So if we look at the cause and based on things like the Kalam cosmological argument, we uh, affirm or try to demonstrate that the universe had a beginning. The question is, how do you get a in in order to stop the infinite regress the argument is that whatever the cause is it's going to go back and it's going to be an eternal cause of some sort and so the question is if the cause of the universe is eternal and all of the physical reality then how do you explain a temporal effect from an eternal cause so the idea is for example um take the example of water if uh, um, water freezing, if if it freezes at zero degrees Celsius uh, uh, under normal conditions, of course, if it freezes at zero degrees Celsius and that those conditions are met, they're necessary and sufficient to produce the effect, then the whole question is why would the effect be temporal and the cause be eternal? It wouldn't make sense. If it's merely just mechanistic in the way that we understand from science today, in the idea that i'm explaining about the water freezing at zero degrees celsius well then we would expect that the effect would also be eternal alongside the cause and yet that's not the experience that we have uh, our best science and the ph- philosophical arguments that we gave uh, point to the idea of the universe having a beginning and it is produced from an eternal cause now I don't see any way out of this problem of getting a temporal effect from an eternal cause without positing a will to the cause of that temporal effect. In the same way that we have experiences, for example, I'm talking right now, I can will to stand up freely at any moment. And this can explain how I, my will is sufficient to produce the effect, and yet it doesn't produce the effect until I will myself to stand up. The same thing like how we understand God creating the universe. He is sufficient eternally to cause the universe to exist, but it's by his will when he chooses to do so and brings it about that it is brought about. I don't understand any way how to explain this or get out of this problem from a naturalistic paradigm of explaining how you get this temporal effect from an eternal cause if the cause is sufficient to produce the effect. If the cause is not sufficient to produce the effect, then how is that the necessary being or the necessary cause of creation? Then we have to go back a step even further and then... Reanalyze what that cause is. So it just pushes it a step back further. You have to get, in my view, to a stopping point in which the cause is changeless in that initial state, that it is necessary to produce that effect, and yet it doesn't do so by our standards of evidence that we have now. And so I guess what I'm saying here is how I've analyzed this in one way, because the other brothers mentioned uh, a few other different ways. But one way is to say that the best explanation of getting a temporal cause from an eternal, a temporal effect from an eternal cause is to say that this cause had a will, and if it had a will, then this is starting to much uh, look much more like the picture of God or a personal being rather than just some kind of um, mechanistic, uh, naturalistic explanation that an atheist uh, might want to give. So I think that this provides uh, the best um, reason or the best uh, explanation of how you get a temporal effect from an eternal cause. Um, And the other brothers mentioned some other arguments as well, but I think they um, covered it very well. So I think that's sufficient um, for the explanation. I don't know if you want to add anything else, uh, Yusuf, for the other brothers.
0: Sorry, I forgot to unmute myself. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I uh, just wanted to add um, it, in summary, I think we can sort of make this rather simple um, in the sense obviously we've, we've covered it in detail, um, but this is just like one kind of quick element into it. So we're understanding um, this necessary being as being one that is independent. That is, there is nothing outside of it acting upon it, there is no um, cause which this thing is the effect of. It exists utterly uniquely. We've not just um, kind of thrown this out there, but we've given you reasoned deductive arguments to lead you to these conclusions. And with that, we ask, well, what is it that makes this thing create or uh, bring things that are contingent, that are dependent on it into existence? Now, the, the argument here is that if there is nothing acting upon it, that it must be self-determined, and that this is the closest thing that you're going to get to explaining that something has a will. And as Brother Abdurrahman pointed out, that you know, even there's a whole separate argument with regards to the free will of human beings, and we can make a, a separate podcast. I think it would be a very good one as well um, on the idea of the the free will of the human being. But that is a separate tangent that we don't want to get into today, and we'll we'll set something aside for that in particular. But to focus on today's argument that this necessary being has a will and by definition would be the the freest kind of will there there are no external um causes acting upon it and so therefore there there we we are opening up this idea of something choosing to act as and when it pleases uh without uh, and that being completely self-dependent not relying on external things, um, interacting with it in any way. It is a, a willing being, choosing uh, to bring things that are dependent upon it into existence. So I, I think that pretty much wraps it
3: up in a, in a rather Can simplest... I just add one real yeah, quick ahead, point? Ahead. You know, there's, uh, there's something called SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And this is where scientists are looking at the sky and the universe. And they're trying to look for signals which have no naturalistic origin, meaning it cannot be explained by the physical laws. Because if something cannot be explained by physical laws, which would necessitate or a, would, would, which would cause a particular set of effects, then the only cause that would, uh, would create these types of like radio waves yeah, or signals within the universe would require an intelligence so the way SETI and scientists look for intelligence is when they identify that something that occurs cannot be explained by naturalistic forces, therefore it must be explained by the idea of intelligence and a conscious agent. And in essence, we're doing the exact same thing here. So even if people turn around and say, well, it, quote unquote, it's not scientific, it's this, that, and the other, actually this is what science does in terms of the, the SETI project.
0: So uh, just to kind of let you know as well, me and Brother Sharif, uh, it's it's Maghrib, so we're going to have to just nip away for five minutes and pray, um, but we're going to kind of open it up now with a conversation with Brother Justin, um, and he's going to begin the conversation with Brother Jake and Brother Abdurrahman, uh, and we will be back shortly, um, so just bear with us, and that's just to kind of explain our absence now. Uh, so I'll just bring Justin in, we'll say our greetings, hello Justin. Hello, Captain. You guys,
4: guys got to run away?
0: Yeah, we're gonna run yeah, away. you <laughs> just, just too intimidating. We're gonna, uh, we'll be back well, in five I minutes. Mean, I'd gone. be
4: less intimidating if you would still have your beard, but then,
0: I man, know. I'm you? so good. Don't, don't rub that in. I, I, I tried <laughs> neating it and making it look better, and it was the first time doing it, and I ruined it, and then it, I ended up with no beard.
4: It looked like Sabrina's hair from the Rugrats
0: yeah it looks absolutely <laughs> terrible so i'm gonna uh inshallah next time learn from my mistake and leave it to a barber to try and sort out but um <laughs> i'm gonna to have to run so i'll talk to you when i get back but
4: go cool.
0: enjoy your conversation with the other two brothers all right what's up justin
4: so what's, what's going, going on justin? what's
2: up <laughs> nothing much man i see you've been listening in the background so what do you think
4: I like what you guys are saying. I did have a question. Um how does something causes, causelessly cause? I'm I'm kind of confused about
1: that.
2: Oh, I think that was similar language that Abdul was using if I'm correct. All right? Yeah. It
1: causes it causes without external influence or let's say it causes without like um the need for a mechanistic process. And and uh, the closest thing we can, you know, um we, we, the closest thing we have to that from our experience is our will. I don't want to take you to a discussion about free will, but I'm just talking about your experience of free will. Hey, I want to raise my hand. I raise my hand. So that's basically what I mean by causelessly causing. In a way, you can say that there's something causing it, which is the will. But I mean what initiates the action is not a mechanistic process, and it's not something that relies on a process that is external to the agent that is acting.
4: Okay. Okay. Which <clears throat> is something that I would like to talk about because if you guys, you know, you, uh, I speak to you guys about on a daily basis. Um, I've recently kicked materialism out the window and uh, and took up dualism. Still as an atheist, but I'm a dualist. Um, just because it just doesn't make any sense. You know, it took a while for me to understand what you guys were, were saying, like your contentions with materialism and whatnot. And <clears throat> I eventually I eventually kicked that kick that can out the window. You're
1: getting closer, Justin.
4: I, I am. I am. And somebody had said in the chat, uh, I don't exactly remember who said it, but somebody said that um that with Islam, there's there, there's only the need to believe that there is a creator, and anything further than that would come from revelation. How do you guys feel about that?
1: I, I don't understand. What what do you mean? Let me look up the exact I will look at the exact quote. I mean, there are things that are going to come from Revelation that we just, you know, ipso facto believe from Revelation. And not everything has to be rationally accessible about God, even though I think to a very large degree it is. But um, if you're talking about like a generic understanding of God, like a conscious being with free will and intelligence, Mm -hmm. and causal power,
4: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: that's… it yeah. it
4: says in here in the chat um i don't want to call him out um but somebody in the chat had said one point that's not made so often islam only necessitates that we believe in the existence of a creator as his as his attributes and not sensed ultimately we need a revelation from him to know his attributes
1: okay but um, i mean I, but cuz the fact that islam requires it means that you would already have a revelation for islam so i think i guess what he would be saying was that like uh, you know uh, um, aside from Scripture, uh, like pre-scripturally, you would, uh, if you're, if you, if you're accountable for believing in anything, then that would simply be uh, an intelligent Creator. Um, I guess that's what we'd be saying. So, so okay. to a certain degree, I agree that 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 uh, there are things about the Creator that we can only know through revelation. But okay. generally speaking, I think overall they're rationally accessible and they are coherent. And I think that the Islamic conception of God is the most coherent conception of God.
2: Yeah, not only that, I don't know if this person is a Muslim and where they're getting the idea from. But even our scholars talk about the attributes, the rational attributes that can be known apart from revelation. Mm -hmm. So we make a distinction between the two. um, And I don't know if he was trying to say all of the attributes, so we can't know any of them. Apart from revelation, but this is not, uh, from my understanding, is not the uh, traditional uh, Sunni understanding of God and his attributes. They I make a distinction say. between the rational ones that we can apprehend, like knowledge, uh, power, will, etc. Um, but there are certain attributes, of course, that we we wouldn't necessarily be able to prove Um purely from a rationalistic per perspective but we we want to be careful and say that there there's not there's at least some that we can speak about intelligently um, apart from revelation um so yeah we, we have to make that distinction so i just hope that the um the person who commented understands that point some of the attributes we can know apart from revelation
1: some we can't
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Okay. So James, you're saying, saying
1: if you're if saying you... some we can't. Can you give an example of those? I mean, I agree, but I just I just uh can't think of any. Um let me think off the top
2: of my head. Um like yeah, what yeah, came to you. I can't
1: think of any. Like, like even you if, you, even, if you, even even if you think about like God's goodness, God's moral goodness or God's justice. I mean, from our experience, there are rational arguments that that kind of um, try to uh, make a case for the fact that the necessary foundation or God must be a a, a morally good being. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know what attributes specifically, but I don't know, from a theological perspective, I don't want to say anything wrong. But just generally, personally, from my view, uh, even aside from scripture, I find that the Islamic conception of God is the one that uh, uh, comports to my uh, pre-scriptural conception of God, which is that, uh, you know, everything about the Islamic conception of God for me is rationally accessible. It doesn't mean we don't need scripture. We definitely need scripture. I'm saying that in a certain context.
4: Okay, mm-hmm. okay. I was going to say, I mean, if, it, if if that was true, then I, I already have uh, the Shahada pulled up, and I was going to go ahead and say it today, but, I mean, you guys kind of talked me out of it. Um, in terms of <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if only we need if the only thing that islam necessitates is that you believe in some type of uh, existence that caused everything then i'll be like okay I'm there Let's well, do well it.
1: justin if we're because t- because we need to contextualize things so as far as certain arguments are concerned for mm-hmm. example if you look at the Kalam cosmological argument alone that's mm-hmm. not going to get you God's goodness right um yeah. so so it depends on what kind of line of reasoning you're, you're, you're discussing. And generally speaking, I think about, and, you know, different arguments will work for different people. And, and we spoke about this before, about how uh, Graham Moppy's philosophy of argumentation, right? How it's, it's very appealing because, because it's, it's contextualized that an argument will work for you if you accept the premises, if you don't accept the premises, then then a good argument, what it will do is it will point to some kind of consistency within your prior beliefs that would make you, you know, have to do some work to maybe either accept the premise or, uh, or, or you know, reevaluate your beliefs. But generally speaking, not all arguments are going to work for everybody. But uh, but they're I think at least cosmological arguments uh, and uh, p- putting them like uh, uh, um extending cosmological arguments to other arguments and making a, a cumulative case, I think in that sense, it's appealing to anybody because because we all, except for, for like a radical skeptic who says that we can't know anything. I mean, I, I don't know if it's even useful to have a discussion with that kind of person. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, but generally I think these arguments are, they make of, I think they make atheism irrational. I mean, I can make that strong claim. I think it's irrational. In light of these arguments, atheism is irrational. I would make that kind of a bold statement. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Sharif, so, how, how was
3: prayer? Yeah, good man. I was just uh, obviously I had to go and pray, so I, I couldn't hear the discussion. So, have you convinced him yet about belief in a god yet?
4: Oh, I'm there. I'm there with a with a necessary being.
3: Is there's a necessary being do you believe in necessary being stage a stage, too, brother. Uh, do you mm-hmm. believe that a necessary being needs to have a will?
4: No. Uh, Can why you
3: explain? Yeah, explain
2: ahead, why not.
4: Jake. I don't think reality has a will. Reality to me is the causal necessary principle for the for the existence of the universe. So with reality, reality is the equivalent to God. Uh, reality causes, I wouldn't use the word created, but I would use the word causes. Uh, matter, space, time, consciousness, all those things. I've uh, been looking into something called neutral monism. Are you guys familiar with that?
2: Yes. But what do you mean by reality causes? Reality. What what is reality in that? Is it just like a, um, I mean, what is reality in that equation? A plane of existence where
4: every contingent thing is derived from.
3: But you, you understand that the term con- uh, existence is a predicate. It's something that you give uh, as a property of a being. It's not something that exists. So I can't know, use
4: existence as a noun.
3: Well, and the way you're using it as well. As an adri- uh, you're using it as an adjective, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, okay.
0: And I guess you could also, this is still just referring to the fact that you know, anything that has existence, you're sort of putting it into that but we've already spent a bit of time discussing why there's a distinction and you've already um, conceded to this. There's a distinction between two different kinds of existence, that being Mm -hmm. possible existence or contingent being and the Mm -hmm. necessary being. So when you're describing existence in the way you are, you're just putting these, all of these things into one category, despite there being a huge distinction between that, which gives rise to possible existence and the thing that's making them come into being itself. So you've already said that there is a necessary being and to say, well, existence doesn't have a will, that's to completely forget all the argumentation that's been leading up to this distinction between different kinds of existent beings that is necessary and possible. And to say, well, this as a whole can't have a will. We've not been arguing for that. We've said, we've admitted, yes, there are, there is this thing called existent beings
5: Mm-hmm.
0: now if you go into that bubble of things are there different kinds of existent beings yes as a necessary being and as a possible being or possible beings plural mm-hmm. and we're saying that the uh the necessary has to have a will and we, we gave the reasoning there so if this necessary being is independent yet it is bringing things into being there is this strange occurrence here of the the lack of causality in the sense that this being isn't being acted upon in the same way. So I know you're a determinist, yeah? Are you still there?
4: I've I've moved on that too.
0: Alhamdulillah. So, (laughs) But even if you uh, were well, to argue,
4: let me just clarify real quick. I, I am a hard incompatibilist, uh, in the same sense as Jake. You we, just in sit hand on, we just we just sit on different ends of the spectrum. I am a hard incompatibilist that uh, negates free will, that leans towards determinism, negates free will and or moral responsibility.
0: Okay,
3: right, but, but but you understand just in that when you say existence is the necessary existence, you are using existence that as an adjective. Ab- Exactly, it doesn't make sense when you say existence. No, no, no. But a...
4: reality is. So what I would need to do is is find a way to separate reality from existence, find a distinction between those two things, because I'm not necessarily trying to say that existence is existence or reality is reality. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> even the
3: way you. So even if I if there. I turn around, if I say reality is that. Which exists as either a possible existence or a necessary existence, which I think what Joseph was saying before, Mm -hmm. then yes, that's what we agree that reality is that which exists as a possible existence or as a necessary existence. Mm -hmm. Now, all we're saying is okay, you've got possible existence which are possible and need to be actualized to have a particular attribute or that they began to exist, and a necessary existence which is eternal. Uh, which had to do the actualizing. Now, the actualizing or the causing of these possible things, it required a choice. Otherwise, these possible things are no longer possible. They're necessary as well. And also,
0: and so also, the idea that existence doesn't necessarily have to have a will, we're conceding that with the idea that possible existence can have a will and cannot have a will. Mm-hmm. That is some of possible existent beings. A so number by
4: possible existence, you mean contingent beings.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they can be, their non existence is not inconceivable. Yeah. So that, you know, the, these things can come into being and they can cease to be, you know, they can I originate. Can, I can
4: concede that they have a will. I would just say that their will isn't uh, isn't derived from free choice. Like the, the, their their will.
0: Right, but then that that complicates it even further. Because if you want to say, because we're saying, I'm saying that there are, I think, like a stone doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have a will. I'm happy to concede that, Mm -hmm. you know, we can go down this route of um, panpsychism and things like that, but I'm happy to say that there are things in existence that don't have a will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're saying that, then we can say, yeah, it's not necessarily the case that existence has to have a will. Well, because we can point at things in reality that don't have a will. And so we, yeah, that's fine. But then again, we've already made a distinction between the possible and the necessary. And the only reason you can say, well, reality doesn't necessarily have to have a will. That's a consequence of this understanding that, well, possible existence um, may not have a will. And so therefore you can infer from that to the idea that quote unquote reality doesn't have a will. But then all you're talking about here is the set of contingent things and you're, you're... not seeing that we've already made a distinction between that set and the necessary existence. Mm-hmm. And so then when we're talking about the necessary existence, there is no other way of explaining this as other than having the ability to choose. There's nothing acting upon it, making it do anything, whatever actions are coming from it, whatever mm-hmm. um, effects come from it are self-determined. And this is about as free as a will as you're going to get. And then on top of that, with what you've just said, um the, this, can you repeat what you just mentioned there about you can imagine, um, you know these things as having a will, but
4: a deterministic yeah. will. Basic, basically, I have a will, that's that's derived from a arena of faculties of external yeah. factors like my existence, my brain, my parents, my society, everything like that brings yeah. me to figure out what I like, what I don't like, what I think is right and wrong, true and false. Okay, all of those things are from external factors, which are influences that. Could have, nece- could have caused me yeah. to believe that something is right or wrong.
0: But this is great though, bro, because well, for us, not for you, because if, if you're willing to concede here that you know, all of these things, despite being determined, have will, then you have to admit that whatever this necessary being is, has a will that is not determined, therefore has a free will.
3: Because if, if you're it's, willing to, it's, to acknowledge... If it's, de- the- if it's determined by other causes, and this necessary being is independent, either there's no other causes determining it.
4: Is this necessary being bound by, by his nature? For example, can this necessary being you guys are speaking about, can it lie? Can it sin? Can it... Cho- well, I'm not going to say choose not to exist, because that's kind of stupid. But can so it do is- those like it's it's bound by its own yeah. nature which means there's some deterministic uh, attributes there
3: see I would say this I would say the problem with those types of questions is that it sort of goes a bit too further to where we're at
5: mm-hmm.
3: so we're at a being and then we're trying to say okay does a necessary being is it some sort of mechanical force within the universe mm-hmm. that has no consciousness no will and therefore was forced to create so we're trying to move the discussion from there to a will, and then we can start talking about other properties. And I I, I mentioned the point, I said, if we say reality exists, we're saying, or reality is reality, we're saying reality is either a contingent being and a necessary being, isn't it? And we're saying, well, contingent beings don't explain their own existence. A necessary being does explain its own existence by necessity. It has to exist independently. And that the necessary being causes the contingent beings to exist, yeah? Now, that causal relationship, mm-hmm. is it something that is forced or compelled upon the necessary being, like a mechanical force? Mm-hmm. Now, if it's forced or compelled, the problem is is that then the possible beings have to have always existed because everything sufficient for the necessary being to bring the effect into being or cause the effect yep. always exists, I agree. Yeah. So therefore, if the effect comes in at a point in time or begins, then it means that the necessary being having all of these necessities, you know, not having anything external to itself. The only explanation we have open to us is that it chose. And it goes back to that example I gave earlier. I don't know if you heard the example of SETI, you know, search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Mm -hmm. The reason why they look for it, how they look for intelligence, is they say, is there a signal in the universe that doesn't have a naturalistic origin? That cannot be explained by some physical law. If there's something that cannot be explained by physical law, then it's an indication of intelligence. Yeah, And we're saying that this necessary being doesn't depend upon any physical laws outside of itself. It therefore chooses to create possible
4: beings so basically what you're saying is that we're on the same page with a necessary being we're not on on the same page with an eternal causal principle for the universe itself for exist existence itself you're saying that for things to change or for something to be caused there needs to be a will implemented with this necessary being to be able to change the state of something uh because if if reality go ahead
3: I was going to say, we also agree that contingent things began to exist, don't we? Yes. Okay. So we agree there's a necessary eternal cause, and there's an effect of contingent Mm -hmm. beings which began to exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, if we explain the necessary being as a mechanical force, then if the cause is eternal, the effect would be what?
4: If the cause is eternal, the effect would be non-eternal.
3: No, it would be eternal. Wow. If the cause, if everything sufficient to cause an effect exists, then you're going to have an effect, isn't it? If okay.
4: okay, okay. I thought, I water, thought you meant it, the creation itself would be eternal. I'm like, no, no. The 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 creation, like we are the effect of
3: yeah, of yeah, what's what right.
4: necessary being caused. So we would be contingent at that point. Right.
3: So the point here is this is uh, it's, uh this is one of Three, uh, Four arguments we mentioned here. But this one argument is saying, okay, if you've got an eternal cause that has no choice to create,
4: mm-hmm.
3: then the effect would have to be? Eternal. Exactly. But because we have not an eternal effect, we have a temporal effect, then what can we say about the eternal cause then? Didn't have to create, did it? It did not have to cause the effect. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just, uh, to, just repeat after me. No, I'm joking. Yeah, right. <laughs> I already got to put it up right
4: here on my monitor. Does
3: <laughs> um, so that make sense?
4: Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. And you guys have been talking to me about this for months and i have just trying to been wrap, trying to been able to wrap my head around it and to be completely honest look up arguments to completely tear this down yeah i've <laughs> yet yet to find any but you know that's, that, that's, that's, that's just one
3: different. argument remember the other arguments as well justin are like for example you know last after last time show we had discussions you had discussion with hartman the other brothers here as well about consciousness and we agree, mm-hmm. and you, you've now because you've, you've rejected materialism. I think you're still on that, aren't you? So you yep. rejected materialism. You believe consciousness cannot be explained by physical physicality or physicalism. There must be something that is external to the material realm that causes consciousness. You take yeah? a baby step
0: towards a Shahada here, Justin.
3: Yeah. So <laughs> slowly, I'm just saying is that, slowly, slowly. Is th- there's so many different. Ways of looking at this question, all of them seem to always point to a necessary being that has conscious awareness of what it did, yeah, or what it caused. Yeah. I don't want to push it, Justin, because I know it's a. Have big, a think about you know, it, bro. Let it. <laughs> let it. Let it uh, I've, been, I've been thinking parody. about it. I've been <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah, a couple more days yeah, so please, don't, be, a bit, don't be afraid to keep pushing. So, Justin, remember, this (laughs) argument does not necessarily lead you to Islam. It leads you to theism. But the next step about Islam, and there's a few steps, but one of the key steps would be is what religion best explains this necessary being. Yeah. So which divine can, you know, lots of people claim to have received this revelation from this necessary being that has a will, consciousness, intelligence that created intentionality, what best explains it?
4: Well, that's that an easy step. Is. That's an easy step that I've already been doing. I yeah. mean, I've already been on that step as an atheist. Like, as an atheist, you can even do that, use the process of elimination, looking at other religions and seeing, like, oh, boy, this this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work at all. Yeah. So I mean, I've already kind of been doing that. Uh, and like I said, the, the few that are left are Judaism in Islam.
3: Yeah. So, so the ha- only how, had-
2: how how do we push Judaism out of this? Well, before we do that, I mean, we have, <laughs> we have to get you we have to get you to agree that the necessary being is God or at least something like it if you're not fine with the word God
0: because But to be honest, it sounds like he's already there. Like if he's saying now it's either Judaism or Islam, then I think I want
1: you to take he's your take it.
3: right he's now, but then I think he's gotta change also empathetic. No, he's got to take, take the
2: hat off, man. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, let, so let, let... Justin,
1: you do realize, right, Justin, that there are. I, I just think you have to know, I think you do know this, but you have to take it to the that, that mean, there are responses to these arguments from the atheist side. There, There's a lot of back and forth, right? So it's not like uh, right, it's not like there isn't a discussion to be had, but what we're telling you is that all in all, this is a very strong case, and I, I would argue that based on all this evidence, even if even if I'm making a weaker case that it is just rational, there is some some rationale to believe in God. Let's say I think the stronger case is very doable that God does exist, a deductive case. But even if I'm making the weaker case that there is a rationale to believe in God and that there's this kind of like epistemic permissiveness in in, in this whole atheism-theism discussion that there is a rational basis through which you can adopt theism. And your worldview as an atheist entails that the truth about these existential and philosophical questions in the absence of the existence of God doesn't even matter. I mean, it, it's like, like truth, your truth bearing faculties can be good in terms of your survivability and in terms of benefiting you here and now. But in terms of these, you know, co- complex and deep existential questions, in the absence of the existence of God, the truth of these Uh, 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 questions or propositions is literally meaningless in in that bigger nihilistic picture of atheism. So keeping that in mind and looking at the other side and saying, hey, there's a rational basis from that, yet choosing to remain as an atheist when it doesn't even matter if you're an atheist on atheism (laughs) is quite irrational. It's straightforwardly irrational, I, I, I think. Right, so so um, yeah, man, go for it.
4: I've, I've purchased tickets to go to the faithless forum in June, so I have to hold on for a couple more. No, I'm just kidding,
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think you should, they'll outdist there. Don't worry, Justin. I know, I know, I know.
0: You could uh, you could be repping
3: it for our side when you go there,
0: yeah.
4: Just just Why piss not? all the YouTubers off, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but so uh, can we just ask now? So, are you? Have you moved from at the beginning of the stream saying that the necessary cause doesn't have a will to accepting that there is a good case to say that it does?
4: I'm accepting that there is a good case to say that it does. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's all we we're asking. So There's it, also a
4: good case to say that we can't show that other minds exist. But I mean, okay. I don't think any of us here are solipsists. So that's going to be something to sit down and think on.
0: All right. But the question is, is, do you, is that a problem you incline inclined to? I'm do you, the do you, do you doubt 22. the existence of your children? Say that but again? They, do you doubt the existence of your children? When you look at no. them... Oh. No. So it's not really a problem for you?
4: No.
3: All right, so we don't even so need he, to cover that. He's saying that if you use the same epistemic uh, approach... Justification, yeah. Justification towards other minds, for, like, for example, our children, then we can use the same principle when it comes to the necessary being.
0: I have a daughter. There's no amount of argumentation that people are going to be able to give me that's going to doubt whether or not my daughter is another mind and can experience pain in order for me to kind of neglect or uh, disregard pain being caused on her by
3: someone. Or being sceptical either. Yeah, isn't yeah,
0: it, yeah, yeah. There's, there's zero scepticism with regards to the existence of my daughter and that she is another mind and that she is capable of experiencing pain. Mm-hmm. And like, I am heavily convinced of that. And they, like I don't care. And I, I know how deep into these philosophical labyrinths we can get and how confusing uh, things can become when you ponder on them a little too much. But it's in the same way as when you're looking at words and they cease to stop looking like words. I, I, I make it equivalent to that. For me, there isn't a problem with other conscious. With I think you exist. I think you are a being. I think we are having a back and forth yeah. now. And there's things rattling in your mind, there's things rattling in our mind, and we're enjoying each other's company. I don't think there's a problem with that. And so that would only be an issue if you if you even considered that seriously. But I don't I really don't think you do. So I really don't think this is an impediment to anything that we've given you so far. So then Mm. I kind of just put it to you again. Like, so are you moving from the stage of accepting that there's at least good arguments? I'm not making I'm not telling you right Shahada time. I'm just saying, is there a good argument to suggest that this necessary being has a will, is self-determined, and not acted upon from external causes? Do you think we've made that position well? And are you at least willing to sort of yeah, move into that? You have okay. good
4: arguments to show that the necessary being has a will.
0: Okay. Alhamdulillah. So that's, that's I guess, one step closer to the Shahada, at least. I've been moving quickly lately. Damn, you have, you have these conversations ours. So. Got rid of materialism. Got rid of determinism. <laughs> <And> <laughs> but like say, I th-
1: th- say, <laughs> I think it's, uh,
0: it's something to to dwell on for a little bit. Let it marinate. Um, like I say, you, you're, you're making progress. Alhamdulillah, and I think, inshallah, I'm just
4: trying to be open-minded.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Don't worry. And and I think, um, like I say, I'm I'm enjoying our conversations, and I think all the other brothers do as well so um just keep and on it bro. we will
1: talk we'll talk about this again justin i want to talk to you about the modal epistemological argument sounds fancy mm. right but okay. it, it can be relevant because it's um yeah it has to do with how even if our advancement develops no matter what situation you're in you know your epistemic position isn't gonna really can't really change with regard to uh, uh, your position on an agent that caused the existence of the universe it's, yeah. not, it's, it's not going to change. It's, it's, so, yeah, so we can have that discussion, too. And, cool. uh, yeah. Yeah. Baby Sharif, skins. you
4: missed it. I said my Shahada while you were gone.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was listening. I was listening. You know, the problem is, I, for some reason on this stream, I can't hear Abdurrahman. So every time he speaks, I have to put my uh, YouTube on to listen to him. Jump <laughs> out, and jump back in. <laughs> Maybe I'll try that. I'll try that. So it'll
0: take a second. Do it now. Just leave studio and then and join again. I, and might now.
3: Justin's, I might miss Justin Shahada though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that
4: ain't that ain't happening today, but I won't say that it won't no, happen I'm in the future. Okay. Inshallah, Inshallah, yeah. we'll keep you inshallah. in our prayers.
0: May Allah guide you too. Yeah. Any now.
3: last words, Justin, that you want to say or anything that?
4: Um. No, I normally end my shows a certain way, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say
0: that on your show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think i have calling the very end I, of your show, so I have no idea. Uh,
4: I always gonna... say, "Have a good night, stay home, stay safe, and let's make America secular again." <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, That's bro, what bro. I would say. But uh, thanks for pleasure. having me on,
4: guys, and uh, we'll be on. I guess next time you come, you come on. Sure. I'll try and jump on with you. Thanks
1: a lot, thanks Justin. Sorry, care, it's always a pleasure,
0: Take Justin. Care. Take care. think that was a, uh, I think a brilliant. Ooh. Oh no, he's gone to, to try and jump back in again on me Yeah. I think that was a uh, great progress. Uh, any thoughts uh, before we bring on the, the next guest? Um, what we were just talking Not about. really, Not Brother Jake, no, I want you to say something because we've, uh, we've kind of been bullying you into silence by accident.
2: No, that's all right. I mean, I talk to Justin quite frequently, so, um, you know, we've been back and forth on, on some of these arguments and, um, I think he's moving, you know, sort of inching closer and closer. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk to him off air some more about this. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing. Inshallah.
0: All right, we've got Brother Sharif back. And now we're going to bring on Brother Call to Truth. As-salamu wa rahmatullah. How are you doing? You're, You're on mute. You're mute, bro. Let me message him.
6: <um>
0: not, uh... uh, not yet, not yet. Um, pic- Pig- How are you doing, bro? You
6: know-
0: would you prefer to me just refer
6: to you as Call to Truth? No, it's okay. Salaam alaikum. How are you doing, Alhamdulillah, nobody. Alhamdulillah. How are you doing, brothers? Alhamdulillah. 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 So- I was listening to the... Yes. Yeah, go-, yeah no, go on. Go on. We- what contribution was you I was listening to Justin. There was... Any um, you know, another argument you could have used for um, uh, for reaching this conclusion that the, the, the creator must have a will, the, of course there is the uh, obvious um, argument that there is a change in the world, that there are things coming into existence and others going out of existence, and there are contingent things, so there must be... Um, the will of the Creator who is changing these things and who is bringing these things into existence, so um, if the Creator didn't have a will uh, nothing would occur in the world, and nothing would continue to exist in the world. so that is um that's a correct approach. but then yeah this is one part one aspect of this um of this um argument. Um, which you know, some skeptics might come with the um, with the kind of contention or the counter argument that how do we know that it is a will why is why shouldn't it be a natural a naturally moving agent? because as you know there is um, um, there is what is things that move by their nature and there are things which move by their will. So for example, if you lift up a rock and you uh, leave it, To fall down, it falls by its nature. It doesn't fall by a will. So uh, some atheists and agnostics might come with this contention that why shouldn't the creator be something like like a machine or like a non-living? Yes.
0: Do do you mind if I just try and answer that? So I would say that these things um, are not moving by their nature as though they're independent beings. So the only reason a rock would fall if you lift it is because Mm. of its relation to other things that are around it. Um, that it is in relation to, and uh, which I guess you could say, um, you know, the the, the the forces that are causing, for example, gravity here, uh, in the case of the rock falling, um, the, these forces themselves uh, are caused by something that is the, uh, the objects that the, the rock is finding itself on, so Earth in this example. I I
6: tend, I tend to agree that um, things that move by their nature, they require some kind of external maintenance. Like for example, a rock wouldn't fall down unless somebody lifts it up. You see that kind of there is has to be some kind of input. But um, there is this, um, basically, the atheists, um, they um, they have this. uh, I think it's um, it's useful in this context to 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 point out that there is. Um, uh, that the perfection of Allah, the perfection of God requires that he has a will. So if Allah is known to have created um, willing things that have will and things that act by their nature, then uh, for sure uh, God is going to have, is, is more deserving of will.
1: You see, so, um... brother, that's that's one argument, but I think there's a more foundational point here. So, so let's say let's say there aren't any external factors, and this rock moves from within its own nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, there seems to be a, a, um, a premise that's kind of snuck in there that the rock doesn't have a will, and this again takes us back to the problem of other minds, right? So, if if we can see that something does move of its own nature, which we don't normally see. We see that in our own acts of will, uh, but if we can see, let's say, let's say, uh, in, in in the case of quantum fluctuations, I know that this isn't the case, and that there is a cause. But let's assume, for the sake of argument, that something happens with no apparent, you know, immediately uh, uh, acting cause on on the event. Well, what makes you uh, uh, say that this thing is not the result of a willful, intentional agent? Because it, it, it's it's kind of exactly the same thing you see when a another creature that we actually know has a will. Uh, when you see that creature behaving in a non-deterministic manner that indicates that it's not just merely reacting on the physical stimuli that surrounds it, you infer that it has a will. So why are we assuming that this rock or the quantum fluctuation uh, – even though they're both uh, not the best examples because there are physical surroundings that make them behave the way they do, yeah. but let's say there aren't, then why are we assuming there is no will that's acting upon that? If we reach the edge of the universe, if there is an edge and we see things just popping into existence, right? With no cause whatsoever. Um, why are we assuming that this is just something coming out of nothing, or something behaving behaving uh, naturalistically, instead of assuming that it is the result of some kind of will? Because we do infer a will about things that kind of behave in a similar manner. So yes,
6: well, I'm, I'm just pointing out that they have, might have this contention. Yani, uh, yani, I I don't I, think contention works. I agree, yes, I agree with you, percent I agree with with the claim that it is impossible for things to for for a self determining thing to be um, an un- uh, to be a natural agent or to not have will or to have volition, yani the, the Creator must have will. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's his it's of his perfection, and everything which he creates, he yani, um, is subject to his to his creative agency. So that that's enough evidence that um, the, the natural things they are dependent on a, on, on a willing Creator. But um, I'm just saying that some people, I've heard some people, they use this contention, they might say... Yeah, that and that I, I
1: agree it. with your argument, by the way. So I think it's a very good point. I just wanted to say yeah, that. Yeah, the, yeah, to the, th- the supreme nature.
3: Yeah, call to truth. Uh, if you if you heard at the beginning of the stream, uh, when I went through this point, I said there's four arguments that we can use. Mm-hmm. One of the arguments that you mentioned there, which is arbitrary limits. Because if you turn around and say this non this necessary being doesn't have consciousness but other things have consciousness within the universe then you're creating an arbitrary limit that needs an explanation why does it have why does it not have a consciousness when other things do have consciousness so then you this no longer becomes a necessary independent being but rather dependent upon some other explanatory factor yeah so Uh, So that's one of the arguments, and it fits in with what you're talking about in terms of maximally perfect being as well. Because in essence, what you're saying is something that's unlimited, independent, in all its respects, shouldn't have any arbitrary limits to limit it in in one way or another. The other arguments that we mentioned was consciousness, uh, the fact that consciousness cannot be grounded upon materialism. The, uh, the, the, uh, the, The other argument that I mentioned is about contingency, the fact that things are possible, and they need something to actualize one possibility over a number, another possibility. And the third, uh, the actual, the final one that I uh, mentioned in, uh, it's all in reverse order, actually, because this is mm-hmm. the first one I mentioned, was the fact that the universe or continued things had a beginning to their existence uh, and the necessary being is eternal. So even if somebody turns around and says, I don't think this particular argument is compelling, yeah. If you t- it, that doesn't refute all of the other arguments, that's just one aspect of the argument. There are those other aspects of the argument as well. And yes. even you know, people talk about the design of the universe, yes, the complexity that's even of another nature,
6: evidence, like the, the arguments from design, they indicate that there is intentional um creativity.
3: Yeah, that's right, that's right. So, that's it's there's, th- there's numerous ways of, of tackling yeah. this, and I think for an atheist, uh. You know, when you look at the body of evidence and the body of arguments, yeah, even if they have a contention on one of those arguments, the body yes, of the the argument arguments itself is collectively proof, definitively, my view. There, the is said, said, there is something you said. There
6: is something you said on the in the beginning. And I just wanted to to give my take on it. Yeah, it's not totally related to this uh, topic, but I don't know. Do you mind if I speak about something which is a little bit on a tangent, or? Uh, like to- well, Yusuf's
3: not here, so he can't stop you. <laughs>
6: <laughs> okay. So you were say you were mentioning that um, uh, some of the at- uh, like you were mentioning that the attributes um, or the properties in the in creation. That they're kind of um, um, their contingent, and that they are therefore going to be um, in need of the um, the external of an explanation. Creator, yeah, external explanation who determines it one way or another. I and mean, yeah. I I basically agree that everything in the world is created. So, um, uh, Yani, you know, the tree is created. The human being is created. Everything, Yani, you know, is a sign of the creator. Um, it's originated. Um, and it is contingent, but um, uh, basically I part ways in that uh, I believe that some of its attributes are uh, possible to its existence, whereas other attributes are necessary to its existence. So um, this is, I believe, uh, was was Ibn Taymiyyah's um, position regarding the claim that um, some... um, and if, there are certain cases he mentions yani, where it's, yani, one has to be careful not to say that a specific attribute yani, to say that anything is possible. You know what I'm saying? Like you say, it's this size, so it could be in another size. I can conceive of it, therefore, it is logically possible. This, I think, is a bit, a bit too, too hasty. And this is where people uh, for, make mistakes when they, when they speak about the fine-tuning arguments. Sometimes they forget to, to use the very origination of the world as an evidence. And they cling on to something which is quite, you know, we, we don't know, for example, whether this property it's, an, it's necessary to the existence of the universe or whether it is contingent. So they might start thinking about the start labeling them as contingent, whereas they might in fact be necessary to their existence. Not that they are not created in the in the in the universe; they are all created because everything in the world is created. But some things, like their their non-existence in their creations in, in the creations, would entail um, a logical contradiction. You see what I'm saying? Like, for example, um, yani when you take the power of the human being. It's it's very much un, un, it's comp, it's it's clear that it is uh, not necessary to the existence of the human being because sometimes the human being is powerful and at times he is weak. Or, or take, yeah, I example, the time,
3: yeah, I think what you're talking about is essential attributes, aren't you? Such that that thing which does not exist. Means that the substance itself doesn't exist. Is that what you're referring to?
6: Uh, I'm referring to sifat uh, lazima, or I don't know what they call it. I, I, I wouldn't take the. Um, yani, uh, yeah, I'm just saying that there are some things which are necessary. Like, for yes, example,. lazima is
1: essential attributes. Sifat lazima
6: is essential Which is like things which are accidental. So, yeah. the, substance yes, so and
3: accidents, think... yeah
6: yes so so not everything is, so basically um some yeah even he believed that there are some arrangements in in nature um so, yeah, and the substance of these arrangements is necessary to these arrangements such that if there is any yes yeah, assembly that, that's the not... very substance will, will
2: yeah but the, the the substance in and of itself is not necessary yes. yeah exactly so I, it's you're just you're i think it's a it's a problem with language. the terminology that you're using is not how it's really used typically in a discussion. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, if it's um, e- these things are essential attributes, that's fine. Given the fact we can say they're contingently necessary in that sense um, mm-hmm. in order for the thing to be what it is, but it's not necessary in and of itself, meaning that God wasn't didn't have to create that thing. He could have created something else. Or didn't create the thing at
3: all. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's called to truth. I gave two two explanations of what I meant by contingent. That which did not necessarily have to exist, it could have ex- existed, could not have existed. And secondly, mm-hmm. is that it could have had other attributes. So I am aware that there is something called essential attributes, such that if that thing did not have those particular attributes, it would no longer be that thing in itself. Yes. And then there are other attributes which are uh, the, the lack
6: of these attributes French. would be lo- logic, the lack of these attributes would be logically impossible.
3: It's not that they're logically Why? impossible, they're logically impossible to the definition of the thing. So uh, no,
6: I'm, I'm saying that it would entail a contradiction for a lazima attribute. So for example, when we speak about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his his attributes they are they are his attributes of perfection. They, 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 they are, they are never to be lacked. Yeah, yani, because Allah is is maximally perfect, so His attributes, yani, is lazima to Him. Meaning that then, yani the non-existence it would entail the non-existence of Allah, which is logically impossible. This is what I mean by lazima. So it's it would entail a contradiction for the attribute to not exist in the subject of its attribution. You yeah, see? but we're talking. A- we're
2: talking. We we have to distinguish between the conversation about god and then the conversation about created things and their attributes so i mm. thought you were focusing on the things that are created that are not and not speaking about god but now you're shifting the conversation to god and his uh, attributes so which one creation, are we are we trying to deal with uh,
6: deal with the creation and yeah. the creation is cre- so do you
2: think creation. do you think that anything in the creation and its attributes are necessary in and of themselves?
6: I don't know. I believe that the, the creation is not necessary in and of itself. So creation is dependent and is contingent. Um, well then,
2: yeah, that's all we're saying.
6: Yes, yes. But I'm saying that it's one has to take care when when arguing for Allah's existence, not to point out an attribute in the creation which is might be necessary to the existence
1: yeah, brother, so if uh, you Allah say has, the definition, if, so for is example, good. the definition of a married person, it is essential that this person is not a bachelor because a married bachelor would be a contradiction. But that doesn't yes. mean that the existence of the married person along with his pro- pr- properties is a metaphysical necessity, right? So you're talking about like a, some some sort of an a, an analytic concern with, with, with uh, you know. Definitionally true propositions that if they didn't have certain aspects or certain properties about them, then the proposition would be contradictory. We don't deny that. But what we're talking about is more of a metaphysical necessity, a concrete metaphysical necessity that explains reality.
6: I don't really understand what do you mean by... Uh, because we're, we're, we're
2: distinguishing between the, as we said, the essential attributes. Now that God has created everything that he has... Yes. A bachelor and how it's defined has a certain definition, but God didn't have to create bachelors at all. I mean, the the, the concept is not necessary in and of itself. That's the, that's the distinction we're making. So I'm wondering if you think there's anything outside of God that he has created that is necessary in and of itself. If not, then I don't see what the
6: hang-up is. No, no there is nothing that the, I think the, call, it calls to mm-hmm.
3: t- truth. I, I mentioned the point. I talked about the red triangle. I said, yes. for it to have three sides is necessary for its own definition, but yes. for it to be red. So that, uh, so I, I, I understand and appreciate your point and Giselle Lafer for highlighting yes, it. But I, I, I was aware that there is something called essential properties or essential yes. definitions, such that if it did not exist, the thing itself would not exist. Uh, yes. We wouldn't call it by what it is, yeah. Yes. And that there are those. The idea, properties.
6: The, idea the, the context of this idea is that um, you know the the, the they had this argument that uh, I'll just give you the context quickly before I go out, so you can continue with the next um, with the next caller, uh, inshallah. But the Ashariya they had this argument that, yeah, yani, basically, yeah, yani, Ibn Taymiyyah he tells he he is arguing that um, God's existence can be argued from the argument from causation, which is that things originate, um, the trees originate, the human beings originate, everything in the world is originating, and that therefore there must be an eternal originator. And he says that this is clearer than the argument from contingency, which is, although he accepts both, yani, which is that uh, they are contingent, and that they therefore depend on a necessary being. But he, but he defines origination in a different way. So he argues that origination is to create things out of matter, That's when things originate. So a tree is originated when it comes out of matter such that the matter totally changes. One thing uh, perishes and another thing comes into existence. That's his idea about origination. But then he speaks about uh, the ashariyya when they um, 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 they were arguing for Allah's existence using the arguments called the argument from specification. They would say that uh, physical bodies—that's their argument. Physical bodies, they are—they um, have size and measure, and these sizes and measures—it's conceivable that they could be bigger or smaller than they are. You see, so they say if Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala were ab- located above the heavens in the way that um, Ibn Taymiyyah was arguing, so if he were um, above the heavens or he was uh, had a tremendous extent and these meanings. Uh, then it would be possible for him to be uh, smaller or or larger. That's what they said. You see what you see what I'm saying. So so Ibn Taymiyyah, he responds by saying that th- this attribute of greatness of Allah is maximally perfect, and he, it could not be any way in, in any way different. So the attribute of Allah's Taala is um, of Allah's greatness um, is um, is necessary. To his existence, it can't be any way different. And he and he then moves on to say that there are. Uh, this is also in creation. Some creations, their measure is not going to be is not necessary to their existence. Uh, sorry, some some of their measures are necessary to their existence. So there are certain creations which have which can which uh, which have to be in certain ways, such that if they were greater, they would be. Uh, it would entail a contradiction. See, so that, yeah, yeah, that's the that's the thing.
2: I think I still don't understand. I understand how if they were different, uh, greater or smaller in the way that you're framing it, it may be something different. It may be a different. It may entail that it's a different thing. But why would the thing in and of itself self be necessary? If it's not necessary in and of itself, then the properties of it. Aren't necessary. Yes, I don't...
6: I, I'm not saying that the thing. I'm saying that the the attributes of the measure, the size. So, for example, awards. Why market, is the,
2: why is any size whatsoever necessary?
6: Uh, I'm not saying it's necessary. I'm saying it's necessary to the existence of the subject of its attribution, such that. Yeah, it can... it's
2: just. I mean, I just think that the language you're using is very sloppy, and it's not really. Being described appropriately, you're just describing essential attributes, and then you're using the word necessary and it's not appropriate. I mean, that's as far
6: as far as I understand you properly. I'm saying that yeah yani, some things in, in nature yani, um, we shouldn't like be be too hasty to say that just because we can conceive of something, that means it's, it's logically possible. So in order to know that something is logically possible, we have to have some kind of evidence. Brother, no, let me but just settle it's this the, It's the other thing. way
2: around. It's the other way around. In order to claim that something is necessary, it couldn't be any other way. And I'm still trying to understand how anything you're describing is necessary. I don't understand
6: that. I'm not describing the subjects of attribution as necessary. So I'm not saying. Okay, there's two
2: things. There's the substance and there's the attributes, the things that are predicated of it. Which one of those are you saying are necessary?
6: Uh, I'm saying that both are created. So both are. um, Yeah. When I say it's necessary, I'm just pointing out. When I'm saying that the accident is necessary, I'm just pointing out that it could. Yeah. Given the existence. Of that subject of attribution, the accidents couldn't be, uh, can't be d- different. Yes, you but see? that
2: just means, again, that just means that it's contingently necessary. It's not necessary in and of itself. That by mind- the fact that it exists the way it does, for example, water is H two O. Yes. By the by, the way that we understand and we know that it couldn't exist without hydrogen, of course. But the, yeah. the, the water molecule of H2O is not necessary. It's only contingently, it's contingently necessary because it's been created. But it didn't about, have to be that way. Do you mind if I just jump necessary. in?
0: So the, the conversation is very interesting. Well, I think we're kind of um, moving a bit off the, the topic of the subject of the stream a little bit. Um, do you mind if we wrap this up here? And inshallah, if we want to continue the conversation, we can maybe do this offline. Inshallah. Um, inshallah. And, sure. uh, Zakalah
6: <laughs> <laughs> for your efforts, brother. Well, this is good. Uh, yeah. good stuff, no,
0: jazakallah khair for, for coming on. It's been interesting talking to you as always, brother. And um, inshallah, maybe we can try and arrange for a little conversation mm-hmm. after inshallah. the stream at some point in the future. Inshallah. Barakallah. And uh, we'll inshallah. speak to you again soon. Inshallah. Soalamu alaikum warahmatullahi barakatuh So we've got the, the next guest coming on. Uh, the the legendary Carlos, who we have had on previously. Hello there, Carlos. How are you?
7: <laughs> Hello, don't try and big me up you, mate. Too much, mate. <laughs> How you doing, dude? Car- I'm good, I'm good. Yourselves, guys? You right? Yeah, not
3: oh, bad. Yeah, okay. Carlos, we've already had one Atheist change his views on the channel. So... <laughs> <laughs> all right. So no, we're good. hoping Excellent. for a two for two.
7: Alright, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, I have missed some of the conversation, so I hopefully you won't have to repeat yourselves too much. I think I've got the general gist of it and I did watch the part one of the stream where you were focusing on more of the the stage one. So I think just to set the scene, I mean, based on the original discussion that you had, I'm pretty much happy with, you know, accepting that there has to be something necessary um, as as the cause um, or the reason for why everything exists. So I'm, I'm pretty much happy with stage one. Um, I've not heard all of the arguments for your arguments for step two. Um, I suppose just from a general standpoint and, and, you know, previous thoughts I've had on this particular question, I don't negate the existence of God or or discount it for any uh, uh, reason. Um, I think it's rational to believe that a God is possible. Um, But I also think other possibilities are rational um and i think we kind of have a an epistemological problem trying to get to the bottom of of ontological conclusions because we just we're just bound by that distinction between epistemology and ontology so i think we're always going to have a problem trying to arrive at um, suitable conclusions that we can be happy with all we can do is get to approximations uh, because of the the other ontological possibilities that are out there such as deism pan, uh, pantheism naturalistic pantheism panpsychism um an evil god you know there's many different um possibilities on an ontological level that could be the, so, the so, answer so,
3: yeah so carlos all we want to do is we at this moment in time we want to say can we go from a necessary being yeah, being mm-hmm. here meaning foundation to reality, a necessary being to a necessary being that is conscious and chose to create. Yeah, So that's what we're trying to do. So from what I understand what you're saying is you are agnostic as to the nature of the necessary being. You believe a necessary foundation to reality exists, but you're agnostic yeah. as to whether it is naturalistic or mechanistic or whether it is a willful agent, what theists would call God.
7: Yeah. 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 Pretty much. And I think with um, you know, without any evidence to distinguish between the many possibilities, um, it's going to be difficult to try and come to a decision as to what you know. You have to be able to rule out the other possibilities with your explanations. I think.
3: Yeah. So, Carlos, really quickly, uh, why did you come to the conclusion of a necessary being in the first place? Very, very, like, very briefly.
7: Um. I, I mean. I think the Kalam cosmological argument is probably among the best um, types of arguments, you know, contingency argument as well. I think these arguments work very well from a logical point of view, but obviously we're we're using like empirical knowledge to try and come to ontological conclusions. So I don't think that we can even, we can't, uh, yes, yes, I accept that there's a necessary uh, existence for everything else to exist, um, it's just that we can't be settled on those ontological conclusions and, and unless we have evidence from an ontological tier of, of knowledge.
3: But what we can say, uh, what, you, what you are saying, uh, it seems to me, is, is that, okay, whatever begins to exist as a cause, the universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause, and infinite regress is an impossibility, therefore there must be something which is independent yeah, eternal, that caused uh, contingent, limited things to exist. That's one formulation yeah. of the argument, yeah? So we are yeah. saying something about, we are giving some sort of ontology to this necessary being. We're saying it's not caused, it's independent, it's eternal, and it had the power to create. These are the things that we're coming to to the as the, as the logical entailment of the argument, yeah? So th- okay. there are positive things that we are saying about the ontology, the being of this necessary being. Yeah? Uh, so you know, we are saying these things. And the next question is, is that, okay, using the same, basically the same premises of how we came to a necessary being, we're going to use the same premises and say, well, this necessary being, the best explanation or the only explanation is to assign a will, yeah, intentionality. And the reason why I would say that is what I said to Justin earlier. I don't know if you heard that conversation with Justin, but I said to him that look, if you've got everything necessary for an effect to take place, if everything necessary in a cause exists to cause an effect, and the cause itself is not, uh, you know, know, has no choice but to cause, then what are you going to have? You're going to have an effect, isn't it? Does that make sense, Carlos?
7: Yeah. In a deterministic way.
3: Yeah. Now, if the cause is eternal, what would the effect be?
7: If the cause was eternal. yeah. So when you talk about the cause, you mean the necessary existence.
3: Yeah, yeah. So everything necessary for this necessary existence to cause its effect exists mm-hmm. because it's independent. There's nothing external to it. So mm-hmm. if this eternal cause exists and it did not and it was compelled to create. yeah Yeah. then the effect would be what would it be temporal or eternal
7: um would it be temporal or eternal i'd say
3: meaning would it have a beginning or would it always exist
7: i think well there's a there's a possibility it could be either um depending on the nature of the necessary existence
3: so the necessary existence has to cause it cannot not cause.
7: Is that what you believe? Is it?
3: No, no. I'm saying from this, I'm using this as an an a, an argument to say that if we accept a necessary being does not have a will, meaning it was compelled to to have the effect or cause the effect, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then for the cause to exist, you would have the effects yeah? Effect. Right. yeah, it would necessitate the effect. Yeah, it would necessitate. Yeah. Now, if the cause is eternal. The effect right. would have to also be eternal. Yeah?
7: I can see where you're going with that, yeah.
3: Yeah. So in the in the argument you've already accepted, which is that actually an infinite regress of contingent limited beings is impossible, then we've accepted that contingent beings, which also includes the universe, had a beginning to its existence. It didn't always oh. exist
7: yeah but i mean when we when we say that we're only talking about our our space and our time and our matter within that so anything yeah, outside but, of that could be subject to different rules.
3: yeah but that's why carlos that's why i asked you the question why did you come to the conclusion of a necessary being and you said well you know and we went through the very briefly the Kalam cosmological argument the contingency argument mm. because both these yeah. arguments they're not necessarily talking about different types of contingency they're saying all contingent being needs a necessary foundation the necessary foundation is the cause of all contingent beings but all contingent beings had a beginning to their existence Mm -hmm. so that's what that's what you've agreed with you've agreed that contingent beings includes the universe had a beginning there's something outside of contingent beings that is a cause which did not have a beginning is eternal This eternal cause, yeah, exists, but not an eternal effect.
7: Right. Temporal.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's temporal. That's right. So on what basis can you say that the eternal cause is necessitated to cause an effect when the effect is not necessitated in this instance? The, the effect did not have to exist, the cause did not have to cause the effect, that's what we're coming to in terms of our observation of a temporal contingent uh, universe or existence. The cause yeah. did not have to cause. If it the did, then, did the, it could, then the effect would be eternal.
7: Yeah, I don't know. It's difficult because the whole concept of time becomes very difficult when you're talking about eternal things, things that are contingent. Um, because obviously, if you believe um, that God exists and God is eternal, then you believe in like in like in essentially an infinite past, and then then that become then that sort of goes outside of our understanding of what time actually is. So when you're saying but, that, yeah, go on. So when
1: you're saying, no, I was that, going to,
3: that, say, I was going to say color. So I think we, the point being is this is that you could still say we we sort of agreed upon certain key premises of the argument that an infinite regress is impossible. Yeah, so there can't be an eternal amount of events of limited things, you know, in this chain of series. That's impossible. There's an eternal cause. That started the, a chain of events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're like, like I said, the other way to argue, the other way would be to say, okay, well, the eternal cause was compelled to cause, so therefore it had to uh, cause its effects. So the effect would have to be eternal. Yeah. So that's just mm-hmm. the other way of arguing it. That's what you would say, okay, so therefore the universe and contingent things are eternal in infinite regresses exists. That explains, or that 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 allows us to be in this agnostic position of saying, well, is the uh, necessary being a creator a mechanical force? But I'm saying we're not allowed to be in that agnostic position because we've already accepted an infinite regress of contingent beings is impossible. Yeah? So it had a beginning. There's a beginning in the chain. Yeah? Which therefore means it's not eternal. What, however yeah. you want to frame time relational idealistic objective how we want to frame time it had a beginning yeah whereas this cause did not have a beginning therefore the cause was not compelled to cause the effect
7: right okay
3: that's what we observe so like i said we can we are already making ontological uh, you know positive claims about the ontology of this necessary being that it's eternal that it's independent Nothing external to it, that it caused and created contingent things. We're already making that. And I'm saying the other thing that we can make as another property is that the cause, this necessary being, is not compelled to create, which means it chose to create. Mm-hmm. That's the other attribute and property we would uh, attribute to the necessary being. This doesn't necessarily mean that, therefore, you need to become Muslim, Carlos. I'm not saying that at all yet. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is that it takes you from just being a simple agnostic atheist to somebody who would say that, actually, theism has a strong rational foundation for it. Yeah. In fact, I not I
7: don't know if you can go straight to theism, though, because you've still got deism.
3: Well, if you if you want deism, yeah, you can, you can argue for deism, yeah? But you're not arguing for atheism anymore. I yeah, think Jake wanted yeah, to
7: come I, in, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, go for it.
2: Now I was just going to say, I mean, what's the dichotomy that you're drawing between deism and theism?
7: Um, well, obviously, with deism, it's to suggest that God exists, but either doesn't care or doesn't intervene with the natural world or or is you know human beings or anything like that that's the major distinction so that's what i'm saying you can you couldn't jump from the arguments that you've made to straight to theism you'd need a few more steps
2: yeah we just mean that god exists
0: yeah but i
7: I, I
2: would
0: even say that it is possible if we're saying that these things are dependent upon god that they're permanently dependent they never become independent from him and so theism itself as this position that God creates things and then leaves things to kind of go on without him, um, is to suggest these things become independent in a way. And I think we have give good arguments to suggest that this is absurd, that these things are dependent upon the thing, that, that necessary being. And so if you're willing to uh, attribute at least a will um, to this necessary being, and we can get to the conclusion that it's consistently um giving everything that it has to it and sustaining all things constantly during their existence, bringing things into being, taking them out of being, then there is this constant um, interaction between this necessary being and the things that it's creating and sustaining. And so it's, it, it becomes, I would say it, it ends up being a very difficult position to sort of sustain for the deist at this point. If you're, if, if, that is obviously you're um, willing to concede on the points that uh, the, all dependent things are dependent on the necessary being and they are constantly dependent upon him or, or it, if you, if you don't want to go as far as saying him. Um, so, you know, and in that case, there would need to be extra arguments on behalf of the deist in order to lead us to their conclusion rather than the theistic one that is this, bili- this being that is necessary has a will and is con- constantly sustaining, um, that you can infer or tie this notion of constant interaction or care, uh, if you want to use that. Um, although it's obviously in this case would be used in a quite a, a loose term. Um,
3: yeah, see, see, see Carlos, the issue is this, is that in order to adopt the position of theism, yeah, the first first discussion has to be, is there a necessary being? Does a necessary being have to exist? The next question then becomes, is this necessary being? Is it, does it have a will? Yeah. Does it does it choose to create? Did it have intentionality? And then we can go and move to a discussion of does it have actuality? You know, does it is this theistic god? Does it have presence within the universe and within our lives? But I'm just saying is that at what position do you think you are in in terms of those three? So, Carlos, I don't know if, Carlos, so you're on mute, if you can... Yeah, you have muted, sorry. So...
7: Yeah, yeah, sorry.
3: <laughs> so, on those three things, yeah. there's a necessary being, that's it, initially yeah. that's what you said, then you yeah. had a necessary being with a will, yeah, this is where we were trying to get to, and then obviously the third uh, position would be this God intervenes within the universe. Now, all we're trying to do is get to from number one to number two at this moment in time
7: yeah um to to say it has a will
3: um, yeah it wasn't compelled it wasn't forced to create because if it was forced, then the universe uh, say so the then the uh, contingent beings would be eternal
7: so you're saying in that case that um if god the God that you believe in does exist, that he could have existed in the way that you understand him, but chosen not to create our universe. is that what yeah. you're saying
3: yeah. Yeah. Could have chosen a different right. created a different universe, could not didn't have to create the universe. Because
2: if the cause if the cause is some kind of mechanistic, deterministic, naturalistic thing, uh then I mean, how do you explain how you get the temporal effect from the eternal cause? That's the whole question. Right, I see. I mean, and even if you went with some type of quantum fluctuation and indeterminist indeterministic thing, It still would have happened, even if it happens at a probability. It still would have happened uh, eternally. Mm. I mean, mean, otherwise, how do you explain that? How do you explain that change? Even in that, if if it's if we're looking at a naturalistic explanation, whether it's deterministic or indeterministic, I still don't see how either one would solve the problem of an eternal effect uh cause producing a temporal effect it doesn't seem but, to add up
7: so so what we uh, observe is our universe which we agree is temporal right yes so, yeah but we don't have knowledge of anything outside of our time space or anything like that which so we don't know if that is temporal or not so what I'm saying is that there's potentially other steps that we're missing out, and we're jumping straight from, um, you know, an eternal creator that, where nothing else outside of it exists. Do you think it could be like matter? Temporal... Do you think it could be
2: matter? This other thing that we're we're thinking of?
7: Um, potentially, yeah. So I mean, you think so? You
2: think matter could exist? outside of time and space? Not
7: our matter, but other matter,
2: yeah. I mean, but then in that case, what is this? I mean, we other matter, I don't even know what that would look like, what that
0: even would mean. Define well, matter, a, what do, do you mean, mean by matter exactly? Because if you're saying not our matter and then moving it to this sort of atemporal substance, yeah. what is it that it shares? With what you're referring to as our matter, so that you can still refer to the same concept
6: or term.
7: So, I mean, obviously, scientists postulate uh, a possibility of a multiverse. So that would be an example of matter that exists outside of our time. Yeah, but even
2: that that matter that they postulate it's not some like radically different concept. It's just the existence of other possible universes. So, but, but, and that's what I think Sharif was trying to point out in the beginning or question, how did you get to the place from the necessary uh, being to begin with? Because now when we're dealing with the second stage of the cosmological arguments, I feel like we're moving back to the first stage of how we got there to begin with. And if you already conceded on that, I don't see how, when we make the secondary points you're moving back to considering you know, the the sort of preliminary points that got us here.
1: That's the, that's the problem I mm-hmm. see in this discussion. Carlos, if, if I could say something, so, so, this thing about matter, some different kind of matter, right? Uh, I mean, first of all, I mean, that, that's very vague. I mean, we, so basically you're saying something, right? Um, yeah. w- what is this other kind of matter? Well, uh, it could be God. I'm not saying God is made out of matter. What I'm saying is you're basically it, – it's very vague to the extent that it could – Basically, uh, the, the what your this definition you're postulating could encompass any kind of thing out there. So we, you're in agreement with us that there is something that is necessary, and yeah. you're saying that the nature of this necessary thing, as far as its substance is concerned, is a mystery. Because I mean, saying some other kind of matter is as good as saying it's something that we don't know. Right? Uh, I mean, I don't know how you'd label it matter if it's completely unlike. The, what we know as matter right so mm-hmm. what you would say is that it's something else that's natural and then we would ask the same kind of questions about this natural thing right mm-hmm. that sharif was just asking and that we've been asking this whole stream about the nature of this what, what you call a natural thing and the causal capacity that it has to contain to 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 create or to cause a contingent world world will ask the exact same questions. The eternal cause and the the temporal effect will ask about the faculty of will and how it causelessly causes or just doesn't necessarily mechanistically or deterministically caused we'll ask about the nature of the contingent world and how the property the, uh, the properties that we find in the contingent world are, are very arbitrary in the sense that you know uh, uh, electrons and protons and stuff have certain charges and everything is very you know arbitrary arbitrarily limited in terms of its properties and it's in a very specific way it's extremely contingent that it it's really shouting for some kind of an explanation so when we say that that's the nature of the contingent world and there is a necessary thing that actualized it, and there is an infinite number of possibilities that could have been actualized, we can say that uh, we can infer some aspect of, 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 or some faculty of choice there too. So what we're doing is we're agreeing that there is a cause, there is something necessary, and you're agreeing with us what we are doing is that we are asking further questions about this necessary thing. You're saying that there could be other possibilities that we don't know about, but you could say the same about everything. You could say the same about scientific theories like the theory of evolution. It could be possible that there are other explanations that we don't have access to right now. But what we're doing is we're working with what we have and Mm -hmm. we're making an inference to the best explanation in, in, in the weak sense of the argument or a deductive argument in the stronger sense but the the, the, the more compelling aspect here is is, is uh, you know as opposed to scientific theories and inductive uh, uh, arguments, what we're saying is that this data set that we're working with couldn't possibly change in the sense that as far as science can take you your epistemic standpoint, is going to be the same with regard to the philosophical questions you ask about these ultimate explanations of this contingent world they're not going to change in that sense because you're limited by your observation so so what we're doing is we're we're saying that this necessary thing that we all agree exists we're saying that we can use the same reason that we apply to our you know uh, 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 inspection of the world in general, we can be consistent in asking similar questions about it, and we can reasonably come to certain conclusions, even if in the weaker sense it's in a, or generally it's, it's, it's in a, within a fallibilistic paradigm in the sense that, okay, we could be wrong, fine, but (laughs) I mean, that's not really news because we could be wrong about anything in, in, in a strict epistemic sense, right? But are the explanations good? Are the arguments good enough to at least at least say that there is a rational basis? There is a rational foundation for reality in the sense that this this the way I'm thinking right now, this line of reasoning I'm giving you, I think you should at least acknowledge that. I can be reasonable in reaching these kinds of conclusions from my way of thinking, and from deriving these more generalized principles from 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 the from the, the, the basic epistemology that we use as a whole. So I think that's that's yeah. the broader point here.
7: Yeah, I think it's. I'm not saying. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a rational pathway that you're taking. I just think the whole discussion is just only going to bring us to approximations. It's not going to even if we think we're using rational um, logic here, then it's not necessarily going to give us answers that we can be certain about and you know stop looking oh, for the well answers. Sort
1: of what what other domain of knowledge do you uh, look for certainty in like science? do do we do we speak with certainty when it comes to scientific knowledge? No, we can't do. okay, so that's the point. so so why are you willing to accept? knowledge in general on a falli- on fallibilistic grounds, but when it comes to these questions we're asking about ultimate explanations, you're saying, no, we have to be 100% certain.
7: Yeah, because on, when we're talking about ontology, you need evidence from that tier of knowledge to even be able to have a, a, a rational discussion. I mean, if we said, like, the matrix was that third domain that uh, sort of necessary existence uh, the the real world as it were if we were like like i don't know if you've seen the film but if if we were somehow transported to the real world from this world that would we would now be in the realm of evidence from that tier but we're no we, we we're locked in our reality so we do have that fundamental problem um yeah on, but on you're so right now you're level.
1: talking about you're talking about our bubble of experience but then we're going to disagree on what that bubble is so for example a solipsist would say that his bubble of experience is only his first person perspective and everything you say about the external world is just meaningless gibberish right and then that bubble is going to keep expanding you're going to say someone else is going to say no it's our immediate experience and we can't even make inferences to best explanations about unobservable things Someone else is telling you going to tell you, no, 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 we can make inferences, but let's keep it within the bubble of our universe. And then we're going to ask questions, but what do we mean by our universe? Okay, let's talk about the cosmos. And then someone else is going to say reality, but what is reality? So, So we're going to disagree on what really constitutes this bubble of experience we're talking about. And what I would say is that there's really no difference. You're just always making claims about reality as a whole. And you do make inferences from the observable to the unobservable all the time. So, I, I don't know why there isn't a, a very, like, why, why is there this exception when it comes to the ultimate grounding of reality?
7: Um, because, you know, when we're talking about epistemology, we're, we're either locked in our imagination and we can come up with all sorts of explanations for reality and the true nature of reality. Um, we can then go to the second tier and use epistemology, we can use empirical data. To um, back up what our original thoughts were in the first tier, but then we, when we go and trying to get to this third tier of knowledge, ontology, it you're always working from a bottom up perspective, yeah, but you're always but, trying
3: but Carlos, Carlos, you already agreed you we, this is why at the beginning we we, did, we mentioned certain points you already agree we've already gone from contingent realities to a necessary reality. so we're already talking about something that's outside of quote unquote the empirical realm, yeah, what we can experience. Mm-hmm. So we've already agreed, me and you agreed upon that. You know, this is what we agreed upon.
1: Yeah, I mean, we I agree... was going to ask you that question <laughs> because, you, yeah, because we... you arrived at something necessary through non supposedly non-empirical means. So you agree with Sharif on that?
7: Yeah. Yeah, and, but and I, you... I did start off by oh. saying that it's just an approximation um, just because of our, um, you know, just limitations on an epistemological level. So it, even though I accept it, it, it it makes complete rational sense. And I'm happy to go with that. It is just an approximation and I'm still open to revision. Um, okay. I mean, just bringing it back to the will question. I mean, if we said that um, the necessary existence or necessary being isn't conscious, it's some form of naturalistic panthe- pantheism, would you... And in that scenario, the, it, the fact that contingent things that exist came about randomly, for argument's sake, so it could or could not have come about, do you still class that as a will in the same way that you've been talking?
2: No, because... And naturalistic...
1: Go ahead,
2: go ahead, Jake. I mean, even like we explained... Oh, I was trying to explain earlier about the... If it's a naturalistic explanation that's indeterministic... You still have the same problem of explaining how you get the temporal effect from the eternal cause. I mean, you still, I don't see how indeterminism would solve that problem from a naturalistic perspective. Because even if it's indeterministic in the sense that it happens uh, with a probability, it still is inevitable to happen nonetheless in that sense. One of those probabilities is going to happen.
7: So, so how do you determine that God isn't deterministic in the same way
2: well because God has a will whereas nature doesn't or at least yeah, how, in the understanding... how are you
7: determining that though
3: what's that because because contingent beings began to exist it, it, if we accept that if x causes y and x exists y exists if x is eternal then y would be eternal yeah if x exists that causes y but x exists but y doesn't exist then it means that x was not compelled to cause y
7: right is that is that your justification for saying that necessary existence has has a consciousness
3: yeah that's one of the explanations one of the one of the uh evidences that we're using here Mm. we're using four Mm. different evidences yeah but one of those evidences Look, all, all I'm doing, Carlos, is using your premises to your arguments that you've come to the conclusion of a necessary being. Yeah, I've not gone outside of that. And mm-hmm. I'm saying based on those arguments that you already hold on, to, whether it's you know good explanation, rational explanation, whatever it is, the logical entailment of that would come to the conclusion that the necessary being was not forced or compelled to create. By some mechanistic force, yeah, because if it did, then the universe and contingent beings would be infinite or eternal, and therefore there'd be an mm-hmm. infinite uh, regression or an infinite sum of events, yeah, what, whatever you, you, you know. What
1: say. I what I find very interesting, uh, Sharif and and, and and Carlos, is that this this fact that atheists normally. Uh, um, Object to it, the 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 real sticking point is whether this necessary foundation has a consciousness or a will. Right? This is this is really the main point. What's really interesting about this is that even within our own experience, we can't directly observe these things, and we make inferences about them all the time. It's 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 our innermost human experience, this first-person perspective thing we call consciousness. Yet we cannot uh, directly observe it. So so for the atheist to say that I'm waiting for empirical evidence to justify the claim that this necessary foundation is conscious and I can't make an inference about it it's 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 kind it's kind of funny because then we come back here to our reality and your very immediate experience you couldn't possibly uh, reduce and deconstruct this phenomenon of consciousness and show me how it works yet when I make a similar inference about the necessary foundation of reality and give you similar reasons in the way I infer its will and its consciousness to the way we always do infer wills and consciousness about beings around us, somehow there is a problem. Why? Because I can't see it? Well, you are already agree it exists. So forget about like the substance of it or, or how it works or any of that because we aren't making any specific claims about that. We're saying that something exists, and in the same way I infer a will and a consciousness with regard to you, I do the same with regard to this necessary foundation. There's literally no difference, and nothing about me observing this necessary foundation will change anything about that inference because we know there are serious discussions right now among scientists and philosophers about panpsychism. They're trying to tell you that everything around you is conscious. So the whole topic of what constitutes consciousness isn't exactly that straightforward anyway, and you have to sort of philosophize about it. So if we make a con- consistent inference from our immediate experience about the way consciousness and free will works and the way intentionality works to this necessary foundation without necessarily having to you know, uh, examine it directly – we're not really doing anything different than what we do within our, you know, immediate experience in day-to-day lives Even at a very yeah. sophisticated philosophical and scientific level
0: Yeah, to talk about examining it, um, sort of, I guess, misunderstands what consciousness is exactly Because um, again, like as you were saying there, how do we examine consciousness necessarily? Even when we're talking about ourselves, this is a, a proper pickle subject It was only the other day I was watching um Quantum bi- biology or quantum physics in biology, like a stream, um, and they the second they get onto the topic of consciousness, on the onto the the topic of um, of life, they they start alluding to these funny words like oh you know it's like magic to us oh it's uh, let's not go there or you know they they make references to these um, these issues when it comes to to talking about what consciousness is exactly. Um, and so, like, I I don't know how we would expect to apply this method if it doesn't even ap- apply very well here when we're talking about us. Yet yeah, we all have this intuitive, intuitive understanding of what consciousness is, um, or intentionality, like how um, we engage with things, I guess. And Carl- trying Carlo- to then, yeah, sorry, go yeah.
3: On. So, so I was going to ask Carla, how how do you, how would you normally infer somebody's has intentionality. Because maybe that's what will actions. help explain what, through their actions.
0: And if, if we can try and wrap up as well, because um, we're moving on to 2 hours and 20 minutes now, and we've got a, a few, oh, three right, okay. more guests we want to try and get on as well, inshallah. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then so, so, ca- so,
3: so what Yusuf what and Rahman mentioned is he said that, look, it's not just through their actions, is it? For example, if, you know, you've got that uh, test where you put the hammer to the knee, and your knee, you know, uh, automatically shoots up, it's a reflex mm-hmm. test that the doctors do to check your reflexes. You're just looking at me, like, confused, and you're thinking, what's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was reading the comments. I wasn't even oh, looking right, at right. you. <laughs> you, know the, you know the test, though, don't you? Yeah. Say, say mm-hmm. it so again. What so, test? That, you know, the, the little, little hammer that the doctor does and he taps your knee and your knee moves your foot Oh, yeah, moves yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Up. My, my, I was doing it with my daughter yeah. the other day, but she right, goes right. in with a hammer like an absolute maniac. Just <laughs> <that's>, <laughs>
3: Absolutely leathery money. <laughs> so, Car- so, Carlos it's not just action is it it's more than just action it's the fact that the action that the person performs or the the quote-unquote object performs has no naturalistic explanation there's nothing external to it like the forces of nature that can explain why perform the action is that is that would that be correct to say that's how we understand intentionality
7: okay i i could work yeah. with that
3: Yeah. So, for example, if somebody, if I start hearing the knock on this door, then I know that the door's not causing the knocking. I know that the the, the explanation is not contained within a naturalistic framework. There must be somebody causing the knocking behind the door. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know the Mm -hmm. door has not always been knocking. If the door has always been knocking, I'd be thinking there's something wrong with the door. That's why it's always making this sound. Yeah. The fact that it sometimes knocks and sometimes doesn't knock, indicates to me some sort of intentionality particularly if i cannot explain it within a physicalist or materialistic paradigm yeah Mm. so somebody knocks on that door that knocking therefore for me allows me to understand intentionality yeah i can understand intentionality there's a temporal event there is something which cannot be explained by the physical contingent beings Therefore, there must be something other than the physical contingent beings that cause the knocking. The only explanation we have is something called intentionality. that's how we understand human beings are intentional and have will and consciousness. yeah mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. what what ontology that person who's causing the knocking on the door, what color eyes that person has? how tall that person? is it a man? is it a woman I can't come to, I can't come to that conclusion just from the knocking, yeah. But I can come to the conclusion that something exists, something's causing the knocking, and it has intentionality, yeah? And that's all we're doing when it comes to the observation of the universe. We're looking at the implication of the observed event. We're saying we're seeing contingent beings. Contingent beings are not eternal. They don't always exist. They don't have to exist. They need an explanation outside of itself explanation is a necessary being and the necessary being does not have any explanation outside of itself it's independent completely independent and it causes things which don't have to exist and are temporal they began to exist so we're seeing the same thing we're seeing intentionality like the knocking on the door now other properties about this necessary being you know uh whether you want to say it's a good God, or all these types of, these are separate discussions that we can have. But the very least now we've come to a conclusion that a necessary being had intentionality had will.
7: Yeah, no, I think you made some good points as, as the, the one that Jake uh, mentioned about the move from maternal to temporal, um, that link, that's something I hadn't thought about before. And I will go away and ponder. That um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I will. I will have. I will. I will give that um, some time and maybe come back with some force. Yeah. But I think. I think it's a good point to make, and uh, it's something that um, that as an atheist, I need to think about because I do. I do. I've always, as far as I've um, investigated in terms of this subject, um, when I look at the different possibilities to explain the necessary existence. Because there are other possibilities out there, I think we obviously have to be able to rule the other ones out or show which one is is why, why one is superior. Um, and the way I've always looked at it before is probably from like an Occam's razor point of view. Whereas the one with the least baggage is the one that makes the most sense. And and obviously when we do that, you know, naturalistic pantheism or some sort of pantheism is to be preferred No, no, Carlos, Carlos,
3: I have to stop you there. That's got more baggage and it's more complex than a necessary being with a will. But let's save that for the next
5: stream. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) But Carlos, that's really important.
3: Simple beings don't mean that it's just literally simple. It means it doesn't have more complex explanations, more metaphysical baggage to it. And when you start positing an infinite number of universes that's no longer simple or when you posit a materialistic naturalistic pantheism that didn't have a will but needs to ha- but doesn't have the explanatory power to explain why temporal events and temporal contingent beings began to exist even though this is eternal it's not it's not uh, a simple explanation so the only the simplest using occam's razor the simplest explanation would be a necessary being with a will I know you're mm-hmm. supposed to stop me though. Yeah, Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no,
0: cool. this is an interesting conversation, but I know, I know it's going to open up a whole another 10 hours of talking. <laughs> so we just need to no, cut it there because the we've got another three people on uh, that we want to kind of get on quickly, inshallah. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, no problem. Appreciate you coming on as always, Carlos. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, inshallah, we'll see you again on a future episode.
7: Yeah, I'll be back. And All okay, right. We'll, further, care. we'll, we'll care. further this cool. conversation. Take care, bro. Thanks now. Bye.
0: Bye Okay, so the next guest we've got coming on is Karen. Now, before we bring everyone on, uh, I'm going to literally set a timer and there's going to be no ifs, no buts. I'm going to get all tyrant on you and uh, and I'm going to end it once we've gotten to the, the five-minute mark. So the next three guests, so we've got Karen, we've got um, Mujtaba and ha- Hartin. Uh, as long as everything obviously goes well and there's no reason to kind of kick you off earlier. Uh, you've got five minutes, so... I'll bring you on and then I'll start the timer. So, bismillah.
8: Five minutes <laughs> after, five yeah. minutes after the thing, one and a half hour. That's like, I know, I know. Sorry, I'm boring. very sorry.
0: About, but i uh, You know, The conversations have already kind of gone on quite long. And so <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be on here for 10 hours. I've got some of <laughs> no, it.
8: Next time, probably I will uh, You know, we'll come later or something. But next time I'll be more prepared. Like, you know. Like, you know inshallah. I wish <laughs> well, when you said uh, inshallah, what that means? God, God willing, if God wills, what God missing? Why would God, uh, would ask something? Say again? what God why wills, why, why God missing something? So, why should you, why God is missing when you say inshallah? It means you say it, God missing if God will, it means God is missing something. No, it doesn't. No, <laughs> it doesn't. Why? It
0: means it means if He wills, if it is a part of His plan, it no, no, will no, occur. No, no, if it's no, not no. a part it's of His life. plan of what you yourself, said, well, he said, say. let, let me say explain, Karen,
8: let you explain your I asked, position. I said, I say, what's the meaning of inshallah? You said, if God will. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think his God explanation will... is only is Only, is only person don't... will miss something. Only person will wish something if they're missing something. It's not yeah. wish. I wish something. Wish. I, I, I wish, I, I'm missing a beautiful car. So I we didn't car. say
2: wish though, we said will. Well, we right. didn't I say if you wish.
8: Guys, God's three wishes.
2: It's not like a genie in
8: the bottle <laughs> god's gonna wish
2: he's
3: not wishing god it's wish. not wishing no no, no. Means it, it god... means that the, the will of
8: god is no, 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 a no, no, fundamental no, no, no. thing Guys, actualized... no, let's move forward let's move forward when you said like you know uh, the, the reason i like join this debate and everything guys uh you know uh when you said consciousness consciousness uh, in english it's means awareness it just means you're aware of something. It means conscious. You're conscious of something.
0: That's probably anyway. one way of explaining it. There's probably other attributes and elements we can add to that as well. Carry on.
8: No, no, no. The, the way you say conscious in English, in translation in, in English, it means you're aware of something. Yeah. You're conscious of something. Yeah. But what you guys are talking about, It in English, it means pure consciousness. So you're probably aware or not, like, you know, the scientists or philosophers have bring this new spin in which means pure consciousness means what we understand. Like it's not conscious, conscious. We all conscious, we all aware of something.
0: Well, if, if you're saying pure uh, consciousness and you've defined the first consciousness as awareness, all you're now saying is pure, pure awareness.
8: It's not first or second.
1: So if you're talking about philosophers and scientists, they differentiate yeah. between state consciousness and creature consciousness. What you're talking about now yeah. is state consciousness. If you, you want to get you technical.
5: You guys yes, run. yes, yes.
1: I'm just yeah. saying, if you want to get technical about it and, and sort of break thinking. down what it means, yeah. they differentiate between state consciousness and creature consciousness. What you're talking yeah. about is being aware of something is state conscious. Creature consciousness <laughs> is different. But <laughs> the most accurate, the most <laughs> commonly under commonly used <laughs> okay, understanding I, I think, of consciousness is, enough, enough. is one second is, what I'm what finished. Thomas Nagel described in his paper as what ooh, it is ooh. like to be uh, to experience something. That's the no. most commonly used. No.
8: Whatever, whoever describe it, it's not cleared yet by science or anything. Like you know that. No, there is a there not. is a
1: standard way in which they use it right. in the philosophy. Let's, of let's, mind. Like, let's try to make let's try to
8: make this simple. Listen, listen, listen brother. I'm
1: at listen, time, guys. brother. At let me time. let me I'm
9: explain
2: something.
8: To you you only thing. have
2: you only have a minute.
8: like you know? Don't I'm here not for argument or anything. I'm just like you know. When you say conscious, you like, only TV have one
2: minute. I'm saying to you,
1: just make your what's your what's your. What's your, now, What's your thesis statement? What's your
2: thesis
1: statement? No, no, you don't have to leave now. Just explain to us. Just, we, just we make give us a, a minute. It, the general. The order, of
8: it. <laughs> 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 I like that, You my brother. Like you know, you, like but last caller you didn't show this fo- uh, this timer. Really I know, I know, thing.
0: I know. And but then we so the, the plan is just you know, the, the
8: podcast we try to stick to two hours.
9: We've you already gone out that, fun, right? and but that's and why I say next
8: time. Next time I'm going to be more prepared. Probably I join earlier, yeah, so I have yeah, more yeah. fun. Uh, it's not fair, like you know, you you give other guy, you never show him. This it's not about experience. whether it's fair, bro. At the end of the day,
0: we don't have unlimited time. If we if we just left the link out there and everyone that came on was to get an unlimited I, 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 amount I, I, of time, I, I, we'd be here for ten hours. I've got a wife, a child, I've got work. I have
8: a I I I really And you've got twenty I, seconds. I I also myself run the channel. <laughs> like you know, I know how it's yeah. yeah, and yeah. And so
0: it, it's just it's just the circumstances yeah, are yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, I, maybe, next, up,
1: yeah. maybe next time, maybe next time you can come more like. Um, you can yeah, you can come more late and then we can we can have a discussion that sticks to the topic. Maybe you can yes, prepare yes. some no, points.
8: That's about topic, like you know, atheism. I wasn't on about atheism, like you know, why yeah. is growing so much in uh, Abrahamic belief?
1: Yeah, five minutes. All right, bro. Thank you. We'll thank you, thank you for oh, joining, you. And, and we hope to see you next time. Thanks a lot. Okay, we appreciate thank you, you joining. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. And next guest. Uh
0: once let me reset. I'm really sorry to have to rush you all. I I know it can be a bit annoying, especially if you've waited for a while. Um, but like I say, we, we've got a certain amount of time. We, we want to try and keep these to two hours. We've already gone over. However long the conversations are in that first two hours is however long they are. But once we get after that point, we're going to have to start rushing people. I was trying to rush the Carlos conversation a bit, as you may have noticed. Um, but now I need to be strict. And as I already said before, it's, I'm going to be like a tyrant. Uh, so I next only guest. needed
3: a few more minutes and I reckon I could have got Carlos <laughs> or we could have got Carlos <laughs> yeah. I know I worry, I worry, No, I
0: know
9: right,
0: so <clears throat> Next one is uh, Mushtaba
9: Go bro Yeah, assalamu alaikum uh, uh, My assalamualaikum. dear brothers, yes uh, Just a uh, quick, actually, uh, I would like that it was much longer time for me uh, Because um, I was uh, <clears throat> thinking that as a former atheist uh, that converted to Islam. I was thinking that this uh, type of arguments, um, I think billions of people don't understand and they are not uh, interested very much to, you know, this type of um, academic uh, discussions. If uh, as um, Muslims, we can prove them that Islam has the solution to every single problems we are facing on this planet, I don't think a single rational person on this planet will reject it. Okay, for example, uh, imagine that in a um, Muslim country, uh, we have several uh, Muslim president, we have had several Muslim uh, president who uh, destroyed a country, corruption went uh, up and then poverty and all these things. And then an atheist or Hindu Uh, President uh, came and proved everybody that I can solve all your problems. Every, I believe that every single person or Muslim in that country would vote for that atheist uh, president or Hindu president, as we know in, for example, former India, um, even Muslims they followed uh, Mahatma Gandhi who was Hindu because they believed that he can help them uh, get rid of uh, British colonialism. So if so, much to really
3: quickly, much to best just very quickly. Yes, Mahatma Gandhi yes. actually originally used to follow the Muslims who were leading what they called the Khilafah movement. And he supported the, okay. the 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 liberation of India away from the British and to be reunited with the Ottoman caliphate. Yeah, up until nineteen twenty four is destroyed. That's, just as a correction on that. Yeah. And also I just yeah, wanted to ask, sir, are you that's, gonna that's, try
0: and stick to the the topic of the conversation? So the, the, this stream in particular is about moving from stage one to stage two, that is proving yeah, the, uh, the the necessary being is God. So in in what way does this relate to that, or like, are you going to move on to that, or do you, are you trying to take it elsewhere to a no, I just say that. yes. He, I
9: just he's trying. He's
0: yes. trying to take it
2: elsewhere. He's trying to say that
0: he doesn't think
2: that these arguments that we're giving is really for the masses to to hear and listen to, and he's trying to uh, promote another type of argument. Do I understand you right? Um,
9: yeah, I say that <clears throat> yeah, if we can. Prove everybody that this solution to all our problems is in Quran and we prove them especially if we can change our Muslim world to a better uh, place to live then yeah. people will follow it we don't need okay, to
2: follow arguments emoji, know. yeah, yes. you know you know I've spoken to you several times so let me help you cut to the chase since you only got five minutes and I already no, know no, no. okay so yeah you've got two minutes so his argument is basically that in the Quran the whole the whole problem that we're seeing now is because of capitalism and that the shaitan in the Quran is a representation of capitalism. We need to completely eradicate this and this is going to solve all of our problems. That's your basic thesis statement. Is that right? Okay. Yes.
9: But okay. right. and we, this is the is question it, I asked you,
2: this is a fundamental problem with your your Statement here. Your thesis is that the shaitan existed long before capitalism was even dreamed of. Brother, so, uh,
9: can we have this discussion another time, uh, so that I can have I can explain it? You know, because I I think in two minutes I cannot uh, uh, argue this with you. If I know, you can, but I'm uh, saying
2: you could never. You could have endless amount of time, and you could never
9: answer that objection ever. Uh, uh, can we do speak... that? Can we do that? Yeah. Yes. Much if you can do you... that, then uh, yes. Yes,
3: please. I was going to say really quickly, look, in, in your original point, and I agree, and I think we all agree generally, is that practical example of Islam, yeah, is a stronger way to attract people to Islam. I agree with you 100% on terms of that. And certainly when you c- a couple practical example with intellectual, strong intellectual arguments, then you've got a powerful recipe Regards to that. So I don't think there's mm. any disagreement there. This stream, we cover lots of different topics. We've only, this is only six episodes. We've got about 40, 50 episodes planned. We do them every two weeks. We have other content inshallah as well. So we want to cover lots of different topics uh, on this particular podcast. Uh, so I don't think there's anything... Um, in origin, yeah, that we necessarily disagree with as a general point. Maybe some of the finer details about the particular arguments that you have on capitalism and shaitan. on. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, is, is wrong.
9: this may very well we be a subject we can discussion... talk about in the future. We can. Can we do that, please, brother? Can we arrange this? This is very, very so important. We, we, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because we we have spoke about doing streams on politics as well, so discussing things like capitalism, Marxism. So the, these things, we do have them in mind for future episodes. I, I just don't think it's very um, related to the subject at hand. I understand I, understand, yes. I,
5: understand I understand that well,
0: yes. the, you, what you yes. said there is true. Not, I, I would say the majority of people out there aren't really too interested in the yes. abstract philosophical arguments. That is true. But the, the thing is, is we still want to approach these as well. We don't want to neglect them in favour of that because not everyone is... Every, like most people there are a number of people that do require sort of rational arguments in order to come to certain conclusions
3: so we, about we had two we had two atheists that came on today both of them left thinking that actually we had a very strong argument for believing thinking differently so they were convinced
9: what that, to some degree. That, what, what i say that the billions of people maybe yes there are people yeah but billions of people are not so interested that's true and they that's don't true. even understand and they don't even understand these boards you know
1: yeah. yeah that no, it is true, and like to... I say, we, we will cover it, but. It, it's so getting late, like, I, I do need to go. Yeah, yeah, just just, just one, final point, one final point on what you're saying, which about billions of people don't understand it, yes, but I, I think I mentioned this in the beginning, in the intro, that although billions of people don't understand the technicalities of these discussions, if you actually do break everything we're saying down, if you actually deconstruct it and come to the to, to the most foundational aspects of it, they are intuitively accessible, even though they might not know all these fancy terms and you know they might not know how to philosophize about it and, and argument back and forth. But the the, the direct, the, the intuition that we have generally as human beings about causality and about, you know, agent causation and, and, and the, 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 the origin, origin of the universe and ultimate explanations and teleology and morality and, you know, purpose, all of that stuff generally is directly accessible through uh, uh, you know, a sound fitrah or generally an, in, an intuition. And and you just don't need to know all these terms in order for that to be the case. It doesn't have to be, uh, uh, you know, formally expressible or formalizable in this analytic, uh, complicated analytic manner for it to be accessible through the intuition and through the reason. So although they might be not be interested in the discussion, I think they just
9: have direct access to it. Yeah, I just, we're going to have to leave it something. Just very fast something please very fast Even, and then we're going to send it in. yes very fast i said that Even if you show, God show Himself or show miracle, people should ask why I have to follow you, okay? If God says that I can guide you out of this jungle you are living in, then we have to follow that God that can help us to get rid of our problems. I just say that show them that God has the solution to all our problems, which is in that Quran and... Prove them, then they will follow it, not that God exists, okay, this God, Almighty God cannot solve our problems, let me follow a president, a political party, that political party can show me a better, I mean, help my problem, get rid of my problems, then I follow that political party, not Almighty God that cannot do anything, you know, just say, okay, worship me, that's all. No so this is please, please, inshallah, inshallah, in the future. I would appreciate it if you can. Yeah, inshallah. And, we, know, we do I will a... talk talk long and then I explain everything, inshallah. Okay. Inshallah.
6: No problem.
0: Well Jazhark okay, Watter for for joining us today. Okay. And last but not least, Hatim. Uh we went four minutes over that one, Hatim. So Hatim, what's up?
1: Well, hey guys, just real quick. Um, what? Well, I want to
0: asking
1: Tatum's our guy, so.
0: Hey, so I wanted to ask real quick uh, what if a contention
1: to the, um, that like it implies will, that you have an eternal cause and a temporal effect? What if a contention was perhaps it's not a will, but an undiscovered, uh, indeterminate,
5: uh, let's call it like mechanism or something?
1: Yeah and perhaps and perhaps the will you're you're interacting with right now or the mind you're interacting with right now isn't really a will or isn't really a mind perhaps it's some undiscovered mechanism and you're just in this illusion that you're talking to somebody who has a mind and a will so yeah i mean i guess the same would apply it's, we're making an inference to the best explanation yeah, yeah I agree. It, I agree about that, these... man. And that's the only thing I wanted to hear.
0: That's why I came on this call Thank you very much, wa barakatuh Okay, alhamdulillah. So we've got to the last of the guests. Um so we'll we'll try wrap up now. Uh I'm gonna rush you guys as well. You've both got you've all got one minute timers. Oh, we're joking. Uh but yeah, we'll wrap up now. Um we'll try to leave it there for today. Uh it's been a great Podcast, I think we've had some really nice conversations. Uh, so we'll begin with Brother Jake and we'll yeah, move. I mean,
2: just really quickly, uh, I think it was a good stream. I think Carlos and Justin, uh, both felt as far as I could tell anyway, um, felt the force of the argument from the will and the necessary being having a will. Uh, if it does have a will, then you know, how do you explain that on a naturalistic paradigm? Uh, it favors the theistic, or if you want to go with Carlos and be technical, deistic, it doesn't really matter that uh, this being, this necessary being is God, and this is what we mean by God. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that was good. Um, I think that was enough to uh, you know, be sufficient to explain what we were trying to get from stage one to stage two. Uh, part of the issue that I see is when you get the atheist to stage one and you try to bring them to stage two, they kind of see where it's going and they try to revert back to stage one to say, well, wait, 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 wait. What about this? Like, dude, you already agreed to stage one. We're going to stage two. It's like you're pulling them along. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so I think from that aspect, it's a, it's a little bit frustrating, but I think it's to be expected because I see it as a defense mechanism because they don't really have a good answer to where you're bringing them to stage two. So the only th- thing to really do is to go back to stage one and then cast out on that. And um, yeah, I mean, the best we can do is point out when that happens and try to pull them back and say, hey, we're talking about stage two. I thought you agreed to stage one. Um, but, you know, other than that, I think in the long run, um, we were able to point that out and uh, make sufficient arguments for uh, the stage two so with that I'll leave it to uh you guys Sharif if you want to go next
3: council <laughs> oh, I'll yeah. be really quick uh, hopefully <laughs> you got a 30 so, second yeah, I, time I agree with Jake though this it's a classic sort of atheist move which is sort of like they go yeah yeah okay we can accept a necessary being its can be but it could be naturalistic and then you say well okay Let's use the same argument that we came to a necessary being. The same premises are going to lead to a necessary being that had intentionality. And then suddenly they start, you know, some of them will start talking about multiverses and, you know, an infinite regress is a possibility again suddenly, you know, and it wasn't. So, yeah, so I think uh, it is a back and forth. And this is what tends to happen is that, you know, as they move, they talk maybe two steps forward, one step back, keep that engagement going uh and ensure hopefully they'll they'll understand it in terms of the discussion uh we mentioned about uh uh, an eternal cause but a temporary effect implies a will we said contingent beings that could have a number of possibilities requires something to actualize that one possibility as opposed to another possibility again requires a will Uh, we said that consciousness cannot be grounded on materialism therefore consciousness must be explained by something other than a non-conscious agent Therefore, a conscious agent. And the third one was not to set arbitrary limits upon this necessary being. And by placing the arbitrary limit of not being conscious when consciousness exists in other beings, yeah, is an arbitrary limit and requires a further explanation. So, based on those four arguments, uh, I think it's very clear that necessary being has to have consciousness.
0: <laughs> Mashallah. Now, brother Abdurrahman, do you want to? Wrap up there. No, Abdul. Wrap up. I can't it's hear you, Abdul. Abdul. Sorry. No yeah, forgiveness. No forgiveness. Yeah. No forgiveness.
1: <laughs> yeah so I, I think we've covered a lot of ground, and I think um, as far as the stage one arguments are concerned, we've touched upon them. Generally, a lot of atheist uh, philosophers and laymen alike are, are are trying are starting to become more receptive to this idea of a necessary being, and uh, and uh, it's it seems to be. Uh, 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 plausible that there is something necessary, uh, or that there is a first cause. There are many different routes to the same kind of conclusion that there is a necessary foundation. And and when we we talked about stage two cosmological arguments and the different kinds of of, of arguments that Brother Sharif just mentioned, and there are more. Uh, I think all in all, we can we can. We can either make the stronger case, which I think is very uh, uh, doable and very plausible, that if we're going to be consistent in our epistemology and if we're going to take seriously the the, the the foundations of our beliefs and our knowledge as a whole, then we can make the strong and conclusive claim that God necessarily exists. Even if we're going to make the weaker claim that it is… Uh, uh, it is rational to believe that God exists, although it isn't necessarily true. Um, uh, I, I don't think that weaker claim is necessary, by the way, because I think the stronger claim is, is is very doable. I think we've demonstrated that and we can do that further. But even if we do go down that route of, of, of you know, the weaker claim that it is at least there is a rational basis for it, then uh, – and we say that there is a rational basis for, for you know, cosmology, the origin of the world, and uh, stuff like uh, – uh, Objective morality, consciousness, free will, teleology, all of these stuff, we have a rational basis to ground that in God. And then the atheist comes and wants to reduce every single one of these aspects to a physical component to say that, no, there is no ultimate meaning. They might be able to do that. But I think that given the fact that the direct consequence of this atheistic worldview is – nihilism, not in the sense that they, can, they can't they can have their own personal meaning, but in the sense that their belief about these bigger questions are kind of, you know, meaningless in the sense that they don't really affect anything when the fact that objective truth doesn't really have an ultimate purpose. So when it doesn't, and you do realize that there is this epistemic permissiveness in the sense that it can be rational to believe in God, I think in that case, holding on to your non-belief when you know that it doesn't really matter, and you know just ignoring, sweeping under the carpet everything about the rational basis for uh, this purpose that accounts for everything in our experience is completely irrational. I just think that's um, a bit of a Pascal's wager there, and we can have one, one, an episode about Pascal's wager, but I, I, I think all in all, it's irrational to be an atheist given the uh, cumulative case we made here.
0: Alhamdulillah. And uh, I won't be a dead horse. I think the brothers have pretty much wrapped it up well enough there uh, and no need for me to add to anything uh, or my inability to add to anything that hadn't already covered anyway. So Alhamdulillah to everyone who's been with us today and to anyone who watches this uh, later rather than being live. Uh, Just a quick reminder, if you haven't already subscribed, do so now. Uh, The subscribe button is obviously down there and make sure when you do subscribe you hit the bell and click all notifications so that you get the obviously the uh, get notified for every episode that we do um other than that want to kind of remind people to follow us on social media uh so we've got twitter which is at t underscore a underscore podcast uh so do check us out there i'll pull it up on the screen now as well uh So there's our Twitter. And if you search Thought Adventure Podcast on Instagram or Facebook, you should find us there as well. And we have recently just started uploading our episodes onto all major platforms uh, for podcasting. So things like Apple Podcasts, uh, what's the other one? Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of them, you should find us there, inshallah. If you don't find us on a particular platform, leave a comment below, let us know, um, and we'll try and get on there as well. And yeah, so if you found this interesting, don't forget to engage. Uh, So leave comments engagement will be um appreciated and you know let us know if you found our arguments convincing or if it raised more questions or if you found them not convincing at all um do let us know in the comment section and we'll obviously be sure to to check them out and try to engage with you when we have time inshallah um other than that help us out by sharing liking and yeah overall just talking about us with people uh when you're speaking to them mention us by name and things like that um, but other than that thank you to everyone again who has joined us today uh, stay tuned we'll keep you updated on social media with the, the topic of our next conversation um, but other than that does anyone want to say anything before we say goodbye no okay no uh, alhamdulillah <laughs> alright everyone Well salamu alaykum wa-rahmatullahi wa alaykum as-salamu
1: alaykum